Well, we may not have a six-minute video about gun violence, but we're here to talk jibberfish, aren't we, Dom? Yep, back again. First podcast of 2020. Yeah, the first real one. I mean, first real one. Yeah, we've got other. We've got uh, specials out there. And uh, thank you very much for the feedback on those. Very well received. Uh, I had some Star Wars nerds go over and review our uh, week at uh, what's it called again? Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. I, I know the Star Wars. I know the Star Wars very well. I know the Star Wars. I, I saw the Star Wars. I saw the. St- I love saying that. I, he just th- it throws so many wrenches in the conversation. You say. Oh, I saw the Star Wars. The what? The what? <laughs> well, it's the whole thing, Star Wars. I saw one of them. I saw the Star Wars. I saw the right? Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. But uh, yeah, the six-minute gun violence video was the allude to the fact that Eminem dropped an album out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, uh, and people weren't too happy that he included a lyric about Manchester or something like that. People yeah, he threw ate their asshole because of that. <laughs> yeah, he threw in a lyric about uh, the Manchester bombing of the Ariana Grande concert. Yeah. And it, it's, again, it's another throwaway line, but kids from what i've seen for two decades well, i've seen it wasn't even offensive he just says it yeah he just references it but you he just, do it, yeah. it's, it's tried to people die didn't he also donate two million pounds yeah nobody wants to talk about that i mean he yeah, literally just to, threw money nobody wants to problem. talk about the bad things yeah so uh but hitler got the train running on time <laughs> just don't ask where they were going you know? <laughs> just don't ask don't tell shut up so uh, yeah, he he received shit for that, but on top everything else about the album is actually pretty good. It doesn't sound good the first time, uh, mostly because I listened to it through like shitty speakers. But then mm. put the headphones in, went for a walk with the album, and just let it kind of breathe. Much better second time around. Um, weirdly enough, I I found uh, there was a guy on one of the tracks called Juice World, and I was like, oh, this guy is actually pretty good. He's a mumble rapper, which isn't really my style of music, but he seems decent enough. I'll I'll give it a go. Let's uh, let's see what happens. Literally go home to Google his name, and it turns out they're doing a, a review of his autopsy. He died between the time of recording with Eminem and the album coming out, and he had a, an accidental drug overdose. Ah, oh. and you're ah oh, fuck! <laughs> I just I just missed out on another one. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. it's not the first one though. I feel like there's a lot more of the uh, the young up and coming talent from the current rap scene is dying a lot faster than it used to. Yeah, that's because I mean you look at the Xanax shit. Yeah, people are just getting access to these uh, prescription drugs, and they're doing this whole "live fast, die young" bullshit, mm. and, and it's just taken away for them. And half the lyrics of the songs are just a, a grocery list of yeah. what they're taking, and you're like, "Jesus Christ, lads, calm it down!" <laughs> it's like cocaine, heroin, ketchup for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I do you remember? Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Lil Pump had that video, and he was talking no, about but- doing drugs with his gran. Or some shit. He had a, a, just this really shitty rap about him. See, doing... the minute you said doing drugs with his gun, I picture him with an urn. <laughs> he's just sitting there, like doing a line off his finger, and he's just going, You want some gun? He's you slow down, man. He's talking, taking like uh, dep- any depression medication with his gun just to hang out and like just chill out for the afternoon. You're like, Bro, what the fuck is your genre of music yeah. about? I don't get it anymore. But uh, yeah, Eminem came back out of nowhere with a pretty decent album. It, was, it didn't hit right the first time for me, but. You come back and it's it's super weird. He brought back uh, Royce to Five Nine, who he collaborates with quite a lot, or used to, and he just kind of keeps coming back from time to time. And it it's good to see the kind of uh, the old Titans come swinging back out. And uh, I do like the fact that both he and uh, Dre and a lot of the older rappers make a very ardent point of bringing out the new talent that they enjoy to kind of promote them to other older listeners of the genre who are like, oh, rap's dead. Yeah, Dre ain't making stuff, Cube ain't making stuff. Actually, those guys are making their own stuff. It's just you don't hear about it as much as they used to. But the guys who are at the top of the heap and have been for decades now, 
take the time to grab new talent and bring it forward. Yeah, throw them at the top of the pile. Yeah, so it was quite nice. So yeah, it was a, it was a weird thing to have. Like you wake up on a Friday morning, you're a bit groggy, and you're like, Eminem has released a new album. Yeah, bullshit, mate. I'm going back to bed. Fuck yeah, you. sure, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, it's available to download now for free everywhere. Gangster. Sweet. So, yeah. I hope uh, people gave it a chance. I, cause I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. Yeah. As, I mean, as a massive Eminem fan myself, uh, <laughs> you didn't pick up on this. <laughs> now, I, genuinely, it, when the, the album dropped, I had a few people saying, oh, dude, it was really good. You should give it a listen. My immediate reaction was, because it was one person I've known since, like, I was very, very young and said, you know what kind of music I listen to, man. Yeah. Like, I've, my tastes have never changed since we were back in fucking primary school. Yeah. Like, you've, you've always, you've stayed the same. You've, you, your music stayed the same. So has mine. I have not stopped listening to metal. I'm not a fan of rap. <laughs> it, it, was just, it was just weird. It was a bit of a strange, strange thing. Yeah. I Just if we're going to do pop culture stuff, have we talked about Megan and Harry? From the royal family leaving? Really, but I am very anti-royal, so that might yeah. be why. And it, yeah. see, to be fair, if I was if I was married to Meghan Markle, I'd want to keep that to myself as well. She a piece. She had she <laughs> yeah. a dime piece. She a dime piece. Yes. She a dime piece. I, I I saw that news flash uh, come on. Oh, he's gonna leave. He's gonna disappear. And it, when you stop and think about Harry's situation, and you don't think of it as his royal highness Harry, Prince of Wales, and all that, or Prince of whatever the fuck. When you look the at Duke of Sussex or some shit like that. Yeah, Duke of Sussex. When you look at just imagine your wife sits you down and says, Dom, I know family means a lot to you. But we need to leave. It's creepy the amount of time I have to spend on camera talking about you and our relationship. Mm. Um I don't like the fact that when I had our son, I had to uh be camera ready within twelve hours. I think it was a bit in- invasive on my privacy yeah. and I don't think it's good, I don't think it's a healthy way to raise a child. Oh, and uh, people won't stop talking about us in the news about our marriage. And people also won't stop talking about the fact that your grand may have had your mum killed. I would be leaving that relationship yeah. too. I'd be going the fuck out of the country. I, I'd be with him. I'd yeah. be with him 100% on that one. Yeah, divorce papers or let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be such a mindfuck for them. Because uh, Harry's always been a... He's always been the more laddish of the two. He's always done the, like, the dress up as a fucking Nazi. He's always been the one <laughs> pictured doing the more lad stuff. He's uh, in shagging in a Vegas uh, ah, he's, hotel room. He's out there fucking slinging dick in stinky shoes. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no socks on, Jack. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> You've been listening to Joy Diaz. I fucking <laughs> <laughs> Fucking slung more dick. <laughs> he oh, doesn't give a shit. But yeah, it, you've got to imagine being a fucking royal has got to be a weird experience because from the minute that you wake up in the morning, people expect you to just be fucking camera ready, like yeah. hair done, fucking nice suit on. On my day off, I don't get dressed until about 12 o'clock. <laughs> I wake up maybe about 8 o'clock. I would just sit, maybe do some uh, uni work, write up a couple notes or play a few rounds or whatever the fuck game I'm playing. Just letting the ball side dangle. Just sitting in my pyjamas like, right. with my hood up just because I have hooded I like hooded t-shirts. Yeah. Like, I've got a lot of these now. Uh, got a lot of hooded. Thin hoodies, not a bad investment. No, they're, they're technically uh, long, long sleeve t-shirts. They just have hoods on them. I'm telling you, man, they're comfy as fuck, they're sleeping. I just feel like that's a thin hoodie. I really It's just a thin hoodie. But there's no uh, there's no little pocket yeah. thing, which I'm fucking glad of. Yeah, those kind of get in way more than that. Yeah, they, they yeah. do. And especially when you if you if you're wearing them at the gym or something like that, mm-hmm. there's every there's every chance that shit's just gonna get caught on. I have one uh, that's Or if you've got fucking dogs like I do. 
yeah. that shit just gets torn. I got a Carolina Panthers one. It's I've worn it to the gym twice. It's already starting to kind of free around the pouch. <laughs> Everything else is golden. It's yeah. just around the pouch. Not worth it. But yeah, yep. if I was Harry, I'd be bailing it. Yeah, I'd be bailing the fuck out. Uh, I guarantee he's going to be missing the money, but he's probably got some shit saved up. He's probably got some money put away. There's probably trust yeah. funds and other bank accounts that he can dip into. If not, his wife is a f- is a is an actress. She's probably yeah. got a bit of bank. And well, they have enough. And they're bank. going to fucking Canada anyway. That's where <laughs> she's from. They've uh, they've got enough bank to voluntarily pay back the two million worth of restoration work that was done on one of the houses. Yeah, like they're handing that cash back so to avoid your know, public outcry of. Wait, so you got a house up the update or repaired and then you just disappear? Yeah. What the fuck? Like you owe us yeah. that money. I guarantee you, uh, you can put fucking money down on this. I guarantee it's gonna happen. Uh, in a couple of weeks you're gonna see news lines or headlines saying that Meghan Markle, the poisonous fucking viper, divides royal family. Oh, that's already happened and the the public majority came out and said, No, this is an understandable. This is smart. Yeah, this <laughs> is a good thing. Hanging around the royal family seems like a bad idea. I mean yeah. uh, also, let's not forget, your uncle was outed as a pedo. Yeah. Allegedly. Was allegedly. He may have nothing been allegedly it. about him. That cunt smells bike that, seats. That, that dude that dude did it. That, um, that dude <laughs> smells bike seats, man. That dude fucking <laughs> likes bus tickets. He's fucking weird. No, bro, he was at Pizza Express. He remembers because he doesn't normally go to Pizza Express. That guy has never been to a fucking Pizza Express in his goddamn life. <laughs> fucking look at the prick. Look at the prick. <laughs> That man eats He caviar. can't even spell Pizza Express. That the man guy's eats li- caviar for 15-year-olds. We know what's going on. Fuck's sake. He eats caviar off of 15-year-olds. That's what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> that I was he a said, bit. I thought he said he eats it with them. I'm like, nah, he's he's getting them to lay down. He's doing that sushi girl thing. He's putting caviar all over them. Oh, oh he's fuck. a disgusting monster. He's a cunt. He's, oh, just... Every fuck time that guy. Him, every time you look at him, you're like, ah, oh, dude. It's like it. when you look at a picture of Jimmy Savile now, you're like, oh, you're a how, creepy fuck. Like, how, it, I say the same thing. Uh, there was... Bill uh, Cosby looking motherfucker. <laughs> now, that but, guy's going to go down as the white pedo Bill Cosby. <laughs> it's it's amazing that everyone's like, man, this guy's like the Harvey Weinstein. This I'm like, dude, there was a guy called Jimmy Savile. He did worse, I guarantee yeah. you. There's some people that need to be called the Jimmy Savile or something. Right? Yeah. There's some people that need that title because I guarantee you it's more impactful. It's like, you see those photos, you're like, how did people not suspect? Same thing with like uh, George Michael. People like, oh, George Michael came out as gay. It was such a surprise. I'm like, Really? Yeah, you were surprised by that? That dude's pretty gay. <laughs> he had a pierced ear for a long yeah. while. And it's like in the public. same with the, in America for a while with uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. People were like, oh, I'm so shocked when she came out as gay. It's like, she wrote a TV show. <laughs> the first gag of the TV show is her jumping out of a closet going, I'm here. <laughs> was that not a clue? Like, did no one think, huh? And, oh, that's a, what's the meaning behind jumping, coming out of the closet? Oh, could she be gay? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I should meditate upon this. <laughs> this. This requires further. Let me thought. gather the brain trust. <laughs> I have bear. <laughs> we gather the brain trust and discuss whether or not Ellen might be gay. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she had a show back in the eighties or something like that. Yeah, late eighties, early nineties. She's one of those ones where it kind of was a bit trailblazy for a yeah. celebrity to be that out at that age. Yeah. Although I did, uh, I did enjoy a recent Joe Rogan experience with uh, a a guy on Twitter called uh, World's Strongest Gay. He's a gay powerlifter. And he said, he talks about the fact he's the only out gay guy in the sport. And I'm like, huh, you, you would think there would be more. Like, yeah. And he says, it's weird because it's not an issue. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a good interview though. I, I'll find his name, but um, yeah, he was a very good interview. And he, you'll know if you look at the video uh, thumbnail for the Joe Rogan experience, 
he's the guy with the uh, rainbow mohawk. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not exactly hiding it anymore. Yeah, you got to imagine not the the stigma behind not wanting to come out is you don't want to be you don't want to be made fun of you don't want to be excluded by anything. Who the fuck is going to exclude a powerlifter? <laughs> Who's going to talk shit to that guy? Yeah, his his story actually he does go into what made him come out and what uh, what made him really think about his life choices and stuff and how it impacted relationships on him. It's, it's a really good interview. So he's an interesting guy and you're kind of rooting for him. Yeah. In a way, because it, it is kind of nice that somebody had the, the boss come out and say, look, yeah, I'm a happily gay man. Yeah. Although he has the great line of, uh, he was being uh, called a faggot in front of a, a Texas audience. There's somebody in the crowd yelling at him, giving him all the shit. And uh, he apparently turned around and said, look, I suck dick and I'm stronger than you. What the fuck have you got? <laughs> <laughs> To which I gotta say, bravissimo. Yeah, that is well done. Damn, golf clap. Yeah, golf clap for that one. That's pretty damn fucking good. Yeah. But his entire his entire story is uh, he's he's a good chat. I really yeah. like the. I want to I want to see what that guy gets up to because uh, he's he's a bit smaller. Um, but he is, if he can pull off what he is planning this year, it's going to put him in the record books yeah. of uh, weightlifting. So I I think at one if he can get on track with uh, what he wants to do for a record in twenty twenty he will set a deadlift record for uh, body weight ratio, which uh-huh. is going to be fucking amazing. <laughs> what he's got planned. But yeah, I'd give it a look. I suppose we can stick with the whole podcasting. Do we want to talk about Joe Rogan, get that shit out of the way? Because I think it's a non-issue. The, I don't think there's really a fuck time to talk about it. Are we going to talk about the, the Robert Downey Jr. thing where uh, like people were saying, I'm so surprised Robert Downey Jr. did blackface 12 years ago. Um, bro, it was A, 12 years ago, and B, the point of the movie was... It was to highlight that this isn't okay. This is dumb. <laughs> He's a dumb method actor doing dumb method actor shit to make a movie. Yeah, I mean, as good as good uh, an actor as Christian Bale might have been in certain things. Do you really think it's a good idea to starve yourself that much? So you look like he does in the I think oh, the film's called The Machinist. Yeah, that's like, he horrific. looked fucking skeletal. That's not a good idea. The whole point of him doing blackface was to say that no one should ever do this. No one should go that far. Yeah, and no one... and he, Yeah, he makes jokes about it because it's funny that he did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's not going to save the fact that Tropic Thunder's still a fuck-awful movie. I actually really enjoy it. I, I cannot stand <laughs> it. I, I don't know what it is. It's, I, I think it's a... You either hate or love Ben Stiller. And I, I, I think there are the certain thing. things I don't mind him in, but I think it was just the whole movie itself. I didn't really get into the... Didn't really get into it. It was one of those films everyone was like, oh, dude, you need to go see fucking Tropic Thunder. Like, I've got it, the DVD, do you want to come around and fucking watch it? It got overhyped. I yeah. definitely agree with that one. But it is, it's a decent movie. I, I, I'd say if you haven't seen it recently, give it another go. Yeah, if it's on Netflix or something, I'll probably so, give it at least another watch. Surprise, surprise, the two white guys don't think racism is that big a deal. Uh, <laughs> not, not as bad as certain other people in the UK. But, you know, <laughs> I guess it's either that or the Bernie Sanders thing where Joe has said he's been quite well swayed by Bernie Sanders' arguments, quite likes him as a, an individual candidate. And likes his consistency over the last twenty some odd years. Yep. I mean, there's picture of this guy in picket lines in the eighties. Damn near forty years of his political campaign has been dedicated towards what in the newspapers comes across as radical socialism. But when you listen to the guy, like ah, pretty pretty reasonable yeah. levels of socialism. You know, he has a a plan. It might not be to everyone's liking, but he's going to go for it. And uh, Jordan yeah, voiced some support of that, and Bernie Sanders. Uh, political campaign took it and used that as part of a promo video on Twitter and then for the last 40 hours the internet has proceeded to eat its own ass. Plenty of uh, Joe Rogan is uh, over party tweets, shit like that people saying that uh, Joe Rogan has been using his uh, power and stance as an influencer to try and 
oust Donald Trump. I mean, I think everybody's been doing that for a while. <laughs> I mean, he's impeached. All they need to do is like, close the letter and that guy's gone. Pe- people were uh, using power to get Donald Trump out of office before he was in office. Yeah, people have been trying to use their power as social media influencers and influencers and actors and what have you. People have, you know, purported him uh, importance. Mm. I've been using their positions to try and get him or stop him getting into office. Yeah. We Why? talked about this just before we started recording. Yeah, yeah. Was it in 2016, you may remember an advert of like, say, 10, 15 Hollywood celebrities standing in front of a white background uh, telling you just not, straight up not to vote for Donald Trump, which I guess is their right to free speech and political speech and yeah. assembly and whatever and absolutely wouldn't stop them from doing it. But you got to realise a lot of people hated that advert. Yeah. A lot of, about half the country hated that advert and it probably spurned them on to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, it's also the thing where people are kind of petty and jealous at the best of times. You say, don't vote for Donald Trump. But, hey, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go and vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. I'm going to burn this Democrat flag. I'm going to get me a Republican one. <laughs> and that's, uh, The thing is that I don't see many people being swayed by political statements on either side of the aisle anymore. Yeah. It is very kind of dogmatic left and right and it's not going to get any better. No, definitely um, isn't. This 2020 election, yeah, it's 2020 election, is going to be a shit show. Oh, yeah, it's going to be. Beers. Yeah, it's going to be a beer and popcorn night because from the comfort of Scotland, I will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to do that during a live broadcast? The yeah, I think I think we should. That should be our first YouTube thing. Yeah. Oh, like our first YouTube video of us just going, cool, that doesn't affect us. <laughs> Thumbs up to the camera, then we walk off. <laughs> <laughs> and Massachusetts declares for Donald Trump. What a surprise. <laughs> uh, and who was the, the... The other thing I wanted to bring up um, was just the, the fact that when Joe Rogan says this, I'm noticing this is getting like trumpeted out a lot more from uh, mainstream news sources because it does seem like that has shifted a lot in the last couple of years during this whole Trump presidency is that Americans now are actively going against the mainstream media groups and then going to alternative sources. Mm. Stuff like the Joe Rogan podcast. The people, yeah. are, people are going to that and alternative news sources, online news sources especially. So I feel like this news story is going to continue to like ramp up further and further and further. Yeah. Um, because I, you can see the mainstream news is trying to get their hands on the story to promote it and say, look at this. People are using these these dangerous people from these dangerous shows out on the web that we have no control over, that we have no vetting of, and we have no, we have no say in the matter. And they're, they're the ones making political decisions and rallying cries and all this. And you think, well, yeah, it's not your fault that we like Joe over you. Yeah, it's not the fact that... It's not your fault that Joe Rogan is actually entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... I mean, I wouldn't... I wouldn't really say that American media has got much to fear from Joe Rogan because the political stuff, it takes about 45 minutes to his potentially two hour long podcast. The rest of that is him talking about monkeys. Yeah. It's him talking about, wait, monkeys don't know how, to, monkeys don't know how to powerlift. Maybe if we showed them how to powerlift, we'd get the traditional, we'd get a fucking monkey with some like gains about him. Like, what happened if we just shaved a bunch of monkeys and put them in a fucking rugby team? What would happen? What, what do we do? Jamie, pull that up for me, man. Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> Uh, I, I just, I find it really funny that we're going to see this over the next couple of days of people just trying to get this whole mysterious Joe Rogan thing dealt with. It's something we talk about a lot in podcasts because it's so funny because we're, yeah. we're kind of in on it. Uh, at the same time, like, we're very aware of what we're, we're engaging with mm. as a podcast and the fact that we do turn to this one guy uh, out in LA more than we turn to like local news sources. Yeah, I mean, if I want to know what's going on in America, there's two people I turn to. Joe Rogan and Phil DeFranco. Yes. Because they, they've kind of got the market cornered. Phil De, as I as I texted you about recently, 
uh, I kind of go through little phases of watching stuff on uh, YouTube. I recently started watching the Phil DeFranco show again, and it, I kind of forgot how how good a host he is, how natural all this shit comes. Yeah. And it's not it's not the sense that he was just first video back in two thousand seven. He was just God's gift to uh, YouTube media. No, he really had to work at it, and now it's just at the point where he's just done this for so long. It's just fucking effortless. And he put out a tweet himself saying, "I expected to come back rusty because he was just he's just been off for four or six weeks." Yeah. And then he comes back, and it's like I'm back into it, and I, he just he knows it. It is now ingrained into his soul. Yeah. Had to make a. An it's now just become muscle show. memory. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's impressive, and he is again like he's for me one of the people I turn to to find yeah. out what what the news story is. I, I I am constantly glued to Reddit and Twitter and stuff, so I'm aware of it, and then I get to see the even if I don't know the news, or even if I do know the news story, I want to hear their takes on it because yeah. I trust them as people and as personalities to give their honest take on it. It doesn't have to be a 100% factually accurate. I mean, they can get stuff wrong. Hell, we all do. But I, I, I'm comfortable with their personalities giving a discussion on certain objects yeah. or certain items and news stories and stuff. So Yeah, they also have, they also have this method of uh, saying what they think about it, but then not steering too far in it. They'll say, this is what I think about it, but the more neutral view of it, the more overview of it is this. Yeah. I, th- I think learning objectivity I think, uh, really yeah. does help with covering the news. Yeah, There's a lot of stuff that you inevitably have an opinion on and you try not to let that bias your information yeah, yeah. gathering and how you uh, report that information to someone else. Yeah, It's absolutely. inevitable that you're going to fuck it up at some point. Yeah, inevitably you're going to just have that, you know, one too many sips of beer and just go, ah, fuck this. <laughs> you know what, here's what I really think. Let me just grab the mic a little closer and yeah, just tell you what on, really Let me get in and just say, fuck those guys. Prince Andrew is a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that tends to come out with alcohol, though. Yeah, yeah. that tends to, That guy is a nonce. Fuck that guy. <laughs> that guy sniffs bike seats. <laughs> you keep bringing that up. Because he does, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just it's the exact line every time. <laughs> so, I, yeah, that was... I mean... I can't help but think that we're doing the same cycle of Joe Rogan's controversial and outrageous. I'm like, yeah, he's been that way for yeah. a couple of years That's now. That's kind of what's made him famous. That's kind of why we like him. You know, he might not be agreeable and everything, but yeah, what do you know? <laughs> uh, we we could talk about. Uh, I don't know if you, you don't watch. You don't really watch the UFC all that much, do you? No. Maybe the fight companions and shit. I watch. A, I, I tried. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You want to get me going on that fight companion? Uh, fight I've companion not watched it, but from what you've said, it was fucking awful. You- it, it took me five days to watch it. Really, I, I, you, you know how I go through podcasts. Oh shit, Eddie Bravo was on, wasn't that he? That was the Eddie Bravo. Yeah, Brian just, Callen and oh, what's his fucking name? Brendan Schaub. Brendan Schaub. Oh Jesus Christ, that was. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Colin listens to all podcasts, and as I just found out recently before the show, YouTube videos at one point five speed. Uh, actually, double speed. I slowed it down for you. Oh fuck! It, it, it's still it, it was I, weird I to me. Inhale media. That's the thing. Is I just inhale and consume media at that speed because I'm doing something else. Typically, when I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. Walking, running, I'm out doing uh, weightlifting and stuff like that. I'm wanting to keep engaged mentally while I'm um, while I'm actually listening to media, and it does lead to the problem of when you put stuff back down to normal speed, uh, people sound stupid. They really yeah. <laughs> there's too many pauses, there's too many off seconds, there's just yeah. there's little dead moments in the air, not even like a whole second, but you're like, dude, are you stupid? Are you okay? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I made I've made a real big mistake though recently. Um the NFL on YouTube because we're building up the Super Bowl, which is not this weekend, but next weekend. Um I am watching NFL videos on YouTube and then inevitably go to double speed. And then I went back and watched NFL at regular speed. 
Jesus Christ, that game was boring. <laughs> the game just looks so slow just, as hell. I went up to see parents, and like, oh, we've got the, the game on. Do you want to watch it with us? I'm like, yeah, sure, throw it on. And just a random NFL game. I'm like, these guys can't run. These guys can't run for shit. Like, <laughs> they're obviously hauling ass. Yeah. They're, they're really moving. And I'm like, nah, you can do better. <laughs> You're essentially at that uh, the super speed stage. Yes. Like with the Flash or Quicksilver or whatever superhero is your favourite with super speed where everything else is going normal but you're just seeing the item fly past your head and you're like, huh. Everyone else is like, oh, good. That guy's running so fast. And you're like, dude, slow as balls. <laughs> fuck? I can see it. It's fine, yeah. It's it's helpful and hurtful in its own little yeah. way. But yeah, I, this yeah. Uh, the uh, the fight companion with Eddie Bravo, the, the newest yeah. one, they went into conspiracy theories so hard and it was a good two-thirds to three-quarters of the podcast hmm. was just outlandish claims and conspiracy and then just constantly looping back into those theories to like no wait there was one more yeah. thing I forgot to tell you was this before or after the uh, McGregor Cerrone fight before before right this is the from the yeah. UFC before that I don't think I've seen anything about it for yeah, this because the the, uh, the McGregor Cerrone fight was fucking insane yeah McGregor has not fucking lost it yeah. 40 seconds he took out Cerrone shit uh, Cowboy Cerrone is a fucking beast yeah right, He people were thinking nah he's fucking McGregor's out man McGregor is fucking out he's not going to be used to the new way he's going to get taken out but 40 seconds done did he not go up he did go up a weight class yeah, right, okay. because it, there was nothing for him oh yeah because uh, he's the first one three weight classes yeah. isn't he yeah and there was nothing for him in his other weight, uh, weight class I think he's now at uh, he was at welterweight which is lower than lightweight now he's at lightweight or right. like medium weight, I don't fucking know. But he, he definitely went up a weight class and there was the, you know, he's not going to be used to the new weight, he's not going to be able to fight properly, his speed's going to be out the window, but nah, 40 seconds, that was him fucking done. Mm. And fucking class act at the end of it, he went up to Cerrone's grand and gave her a hug. Yeah, I heard about <laughs> that one. That's that's what I like about that fight was, with the last few Conor McGregor fights, it seems like it's been all about the hype before the show mm. to build up the, the pay-per-view and then he gets the big ticket at the end and yeah. gets his cash. And then that's great if you win, mm. if you fall flat on your face, which McGregor has done. I think it's been like, what, 36 months since he last won a yeah, fight? Yeah, he has not fought in a while. And uh, well, he's been out of the ring for 18 months and then he hadn't won in 36. Like, he lost his last two bouts, I think, if I remember yeah. this correctly. He, I got beat by, I, I can't remember who, but he definitely he lost his title. He got beat by Khabib. He got, bit, ah, he got, he got fucking shit pushed in by Khabib. Khabib. <laughs> got his shit pushed in. And then, uh, yeah, so he, like, with this one, it was all work. And it was just people go. It was just two guys going out in the ring, mm. and it was fair, respectful. And then yeah, yeah goes in there, takes care of business. Mm. Then you know, once they're all back up on their feet, hugs, yeah, kisses the lot, goes out, sees the sees the boys grand, hugging kisses there. Yeah, I definitely think someone has said to him, right, this whole you know notorious persona. Yeah, you need to get rid of it, man. It is causing you nothing but trouble. You're, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to go to fucking Dublin anymore. <laughs> you're not allowed to go home. You through a trolley at a bus yeah. and punched an old man in a pub. Yeah. Sit the fuck down. Yeah, I mean, you're a fucking uh, MMA fighter as well. You've got to take that in consideration. He's punching someone. That's going to be more than any yeah, other person. I, I've actually seen the CCTV footage of that. And it's, he's not actually swinging for an old man, yeah. but it is like, dude, you just tried to hit an old man. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a 30-year-old cage fighter. Mm, yeah. It's a bad look for you, mate. No, it's not, it's not good. But I think definitely he's shown that he's... He's maturing. A he's bit. maturing a bit, and he's not. But he's just willing to. He just wants to get back into the octagon and you know do. A, he's willing to just get back to the the business of fighting. So it wouldn't surprise me if he actually shows up on the Joe Rogan podcast fairly soon, just explaining yeah. about the fight. Or if if he stays with this kind of camera persona, mm. everything just kind of takes a step back, and it becomes about the fighting. What he does in the ring, 
he's going to be untouchable. Yeah. And he will be a reigning champion for a while. And it will be the legacy that I, I, if he feels like he, he should be doing this, he should be the reigning champion and he should be putting in great fights and technical displays yeah. and he should be doing his job yeah. rather than just this outside the ring hype fest that yeah. he has. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it was good to see him back. It makes it a lot more interesting, especially yeah. if he's moved up a weight class and all of a sudden he's, he's there with a bigger category of guys and he's going to come through and he's going to knock the shit out of all those guys yeah, as well. Yeah, he's definitely adjusted. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with it all now. Because I think when he first started, he was, you know, born and raised in Ireland. I think he'd done some local events, got a bit of money doing that. But he was still kind of, you know, local Irish talent. Yeah. Like that fight, up and coming fighter. But now when he went to the UFC, I think the status and the shit just went to his head. Now that he's had the time off, time away, he's cooled down. He's he stepped up to the next level. It'll be cool to see what he does now. Yeah. It'll be cool I, to see the next few fights. I did actually watch uh, I, I t- just a Jorgen in it, a UFC thing together. I, I watched a, a YouTube video this morning of his 10 best interviews with the UFC, like after the match. So like when he goes into the ring and just interviews the winner and some of the fucking interviews he's done are nuts. Yeah. At one point he interviewed a guy and he's he walks in and goes, you just broke your toe. What? And he looks <laughs> down and the guy has a like a broken busted yeah. toe that's bleeding on the on the mat. And there's like, George goes, shit, and grabs him a chair, sits him down and then has the interview with him on the chair while medics tend to his foot. <laughs> Whoa. It was when he... When he interviewed Daniel Cormier after his title defence and his nose is at a fucking left angle. <laughs> like his nose is bent in the fucking way, like fucking Nemesis from yeah. Resident Evil 3. And he's just sitting talking away. He's like, you know what I do, what I do. And he's like, dude, your nose is busted. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get a doctor to fucking crack that shit back into place. My, my favourite, uh, there was there was one, the, the classic of uh, my balls was hot. <laughs> when he goes in and interview a guy, like a super heavyweight or something like that, and he goes in and he goes, dude, why are you taking your pants off? He goes, my balls was hot. <laughs> <laughs> Like, alright, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. It's a fucking brilliant moment of banter in the ring. And then, uh, but the the one before that was actually, he was interviewing a guy who made some like dodgy kick and it fucked up his ankle. Or it fucked yeah. up his, uh, his leg. And he, he, the guy actually won the fight despite having a fucked up leg. But the medics had to run in to treat him. And he was lying on his back in absolute agony. And Joe just gives the interview while he's on his back. And they're just like t- chanting the shit while he's getting like, there's like a guy going in with like, like to straighten out his leg and stuff like that and get it in a cast or get it into like some supportive brace. Hmm. And then Joe Rogan's like, you all right there, man? Yeah, I fucking love you, Joe. I fucking love you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great clip. You're like, this is why that guy is talented. That's why that yeah. guy, this, I'm talking about, this is why people love Joe Rogan. He yeah. just has a talent and a knack for making a conversation out of yeah. seemingly nothing. Who, who knew that a comedian would be good at talking to people? Who knew? Who what fucking a, knew? What a twist. What a twist. Speaking of uh, talking to someone, how about a kid that talks to Hitler? Oh, did you I, go see Jojo Rabbit? I did go see Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, right. I haven't seen okay. it. We were both big fans of Taika Waititi. Yep. I recently rewatched uh, What We Do in the Shadows. A fucking ridiculously good movie. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Such a dumb line. <laughs> right. I had to explain this because I was watching it uh, with my brother and the bit with uh, Viago. Uh, Taika Waititi's character. Yeah. He's talking about the, the girl that he used to love and how like he grew older and she left her behind. And when he puts the picture of her in the lid of his coffin and closes the coffin over, then the coffin starts moving <laughs> up and down. And uh, my brother said to me, oh, the, the, there's, a, there's a, a mistake there. There's something wrong there. Why is the lid moving up and down? I was like, 
I really need to explain what that joke is to you, man. We're, Fuck. We're, we're all guys here. We we know what he's doing, right? Yeah, we, we know exactly what he's doing because I burst out laughing. That was fucking great. I didn't see that the first time, so now that I know that stuff, and he, he, he's a, a comedic director and he's a great knack for just layering shit in that you didn't see yeah. the first time. So I'm, I'm excited to go back and watch uh, Thor Ragnarok again. Yeah. I've got Hunt for the Wilder People on DVD. and oh, yeah, I got that shit on Blu-ray, though. Nice. Something uh, about New Zealand shots and Blu-rays. Fucking stunning. New Zealand drone shots. And he, he has this weird thing. I, th- I don't think he put it into Jojo Rabbit, but he puts it into most of his other stuff. And it's what I call this, like, 180 camera spin. Hmm. It, it, it shows the passage of time by starting, on, like, looking left and then just panning all the way around to the right. And just holds it steady, and just you'll have characters move in and out of the shot, and it it really effective, and it's a really simple trick that he's used in a couple of different movies. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about his his visual style that really does a good job of conveying uh, like a story. And Jojo Rabbit is the story of a young boy in Hitler Youth, who, as an imaginary imaginary friend, has Hitler, played by Taika Waititi. <laughs> Gotta give the guy, like, some props. If you're gonna make a movie about Hitler and don't have the balls to play Hitler yourself, at least he's not ruining some other actor's career. Yeah, that's true. So he uh, he shows up as Hitler, and I don't want to spoil anything that goes on with the movie, but um, the movie is set in the later half of World War Two. We kind of all know the scoreboard on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you'll see that Hitler, uh, or imaginary Hitler... I think I've referred to him as Invisi Hitler before. Invisi Hitler. Because <laughs> he only Jojo can see him, um, is there to reinforce the party line. And it's a very good way of like showing how Nazi propaganda would infiltrate the minds of just young kids, the young weak kids who were bullied and picked on, and how it would pick them up through this like racist dogma. Yeah. But at the same time, like give them a sense of purpose and a sense of pride in their nation and stuff. And then you just see that being just battered down by you know this never-ending war that the germans eventually lose it's a fucking great movie there's a lot of really good characters in there um i'm yet to understand rebel wilson's appeal she's just there i I don't get it i don't get her as an actress but i guess she's for someone else that's not me yeah um scarlett johansson puts on a fucking tour de force on this one yeah oscar nom as well I forget, like, she's been an Avenger for so long, I forget she's also an actress. Yeah, I kind of forget that about uh, Robert Downey Jr. sometimes as well. I, there was this film that he was in with Val Kilmer. Yeah. I can't remember the fucking name of the film. Is it the 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 lawyer one? Hmm? He did a film uh, in between, I think it was Iron Man 3 and one of the Avengers. He did a film of it being a lawyer. Oh, no, that was uh, with Zach Galifianakis. I want to say it's something, Tombstone, is it? Maybe. No, whatever it is, but he put him and Val Kilmer were in this film. I think it was well before Iron Man. It might be the last film before Iron Man. Yeah. And you, you watch that and think, holy shit, you can act. Yeah. Then you watch him in uh, Zodiac, the film about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Can't remember his character's name, but he's trying to find the Zodiac killer. And is he uh, in that? yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is in that. He huh. plays the the editor of the newspaper that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character works at. Oh shit! And he's the, he's the kind of he's the old guard, and he's like, dude, fucking give up. You're never gonna find this guy. The thing is, with Zodiac, that film went on every time it was like one of those uh, like days at school when the teachers are like, ah fuck it, put on movies. We don't care anymore. We're, we're not teaching you today. We'll put on this movie and say it's about a, a literature study or whatever. I think Zodiac. I think I've seen the start of Zodiac about six times. I've never actually watched that movie all the way through at the end. It's actually a pretty good movie. It goes, it, it has a Return of the King ending. It ends twice. Okay. 
but you think, oh, right, this is then. Oh, not time skip. What the fuck? Because then uh, Jake John Hall's character goes to see an older Robert Downey Jr. and he's like, are you still looking for the Zodiac? It has been 10 years. <laughs> Can't remember how it ends either. It's been a while. But if you want to pick up the movie, it's £3 in HMV. So not expensive. Scarlett Johansson can act. I, mean, I forgot that. Um, I was looking for the... There's a, a captain in the German... Uh, he's a captain in the Hitler Youth. He was like a German army battle captain, but he lost an eye, and he really fucking hates the fact he's got to work with the Hitler Youth. He just cannot be fucking bothered dealing with kids. He's like, I'm a warrior, I'm a veteran, I don't need to be dealing with these fucking kids all day. He drinks to get through the day. By the end of the movie, he is an absolute mess, but he has probably got one of the best character arcs throughout the entire movie that I've, I've seen so far. Um, I, he's just chewing scenery wherever he goes. Um, who else is there? There's a lot of minor characters that play roles like, uh, I know you're not a big fan of uh, Ricky Gervais and all his stuff, but Stephen Merchant's in this. Oh, huge fan of Stephen Merchant. He is a fantastic character in a an SS officer. Oh, right. It comes Does he still use his... Oh, it's the Gestapo, sorry, he's not... The Gestapo. It's the Gestapo. Hello, we're here from the Gestapo. Good to meet you. Heil Hitler. <laughs> you get ready to hear the phrase Heil Hitler a lot, because it's so weird to hear in a cinema in 2020, but you will hear people saying Heil Hitler, and it's just fucking weird. But it's also a very good gag, so... Yeah. I kind of wanted to... I kind of wanted you to say that he didn't change his accent. <laughs> that it was still just he his just West Country. Like, oh, Heil Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my lover, Heil Hitler. How are you doing today? What do you have in this here box, eh? <laughs> Go on, why don't you just open that up there for me, yeah? Could you pass me your Papi Aaron, please? Happens to Papi Aaron. That's, oh, one thing I will say about this movie that's kind of weird is that there are no, all the words that are spoken are English. Mm-hmm. There are very few German phrases that are used. I feel like that would have been very good. It would have been good uh, punctuation to use that, especially when all of the written signs are in German. Mm. I feel like if you're going to... You can play with certain words, like certain pop culture drummers. Like, everyone knows that German for shit is Scheiser. Yeah, everyone. So there's a scene where someone could say Scheiser, and they say shit, and it kind of took me out of it for just a half second. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit weird. I was like, you guys have had... At this point, you know they're using some German in text form, but then... They explain all the things that are written in text. Everything you need to know is explained. But then when they, they never use German mixed in with English to explain or to talk to each other, which is a shame. I feel mm. like it would have helped the movie a little bit. But, I mean, I say it would have helped the movie. It's already Oscar nominated and it's one of the yeah. few that I would find hard to disagree with. Yeah, I, I do kind of get, I agree with you there that when you see that they're clearly meant to be in Russia or something like that and they're all mm. speaking English. Like uh, the film The Hunt for Red October. Yeah. It's meant to be set in Russia, yet you've got Alec Baldwin speaking with, his, with an American accent, and you've got uh, Sean Connery just using his regular Scottish brogue, and you've got uh, a whole slew of other American actors, and they're just using their American accent. At one point, Sean Connery says, your Russian is excellent, my dear, but I can't understand you. I'm like... <laughs> and, he, and he says it like this your Russian, is, your Russian is excellent my dear your Russian is excellent <laughs> your Ru- oh hen your Russian is excellent <laughs> and, nah you fucking nah, I can't even remember if that film's good or not so fuck it yeah, I um oh that's where we're talking the, the German army captain is played by Sam Rockwell uh, oh yeah he's, he's pretty cool the voice of Vic in F is for Family Bill right. show. Um, it, it feels a bit like Captain Flashheart from Black Adder. Nice. But entirely deadpan. 
it's fucking great. I, I love so it. So Lord Flashheart, if he believed his own hype. If he, now, if he didn't think it was a joke. Kind of Lord Flashheart, but you believe his hype in a weird way. Ah, right. I, I think that part of the joke is you're like, no man could be this outrageous. No man could be the, this nonsensical. But you're like, no, he, he could do it. I think he could pull yeah. this off. <laughs> For some reason, I'm like, I think he got this. But yeah, I would highly recommend if you get a chance to see uh, Jojo Rabbit. If it's still in cinema, if you haven't seen it, I think you're going to miss out on this one. Yeah, I think I'm not going to be able to see it in the cinema, but I'll probably just get it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I, th- I feel like Taika might be one of those guys that are like, I'm just going to collect all the stuff. Yeah, I think I have most of the stuff, with the exception of uh, what we do in the shadows, because I'm not sure you can get that on Blu-ray Which easily. Weird, yeah. That, and uh, I don't think you'll have Shark and Eagle. No, no, no. no. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it'll be on Prime, but I think you'll be able to get it easy on DVD yeah. or something. Uh, Jojo Rabbit and Joker are two films that I am annoyed that I'll probably miss in the cinema because yeah. everyone raved about oh, fucking you Joker. you definitely miss Joker. Yeah, I've definitely missed Joker, but that comes out in a couple of weeks on yeah. Blu-ray. I've got that pre-ordered. I've been watching some, uh, you know, clips and stuff on YouTube. Originally, I thought this is kind of annoying, but then what made it click for me was the fact that he's meant to be unnerving. It's the fact that he's always dancing. Yeah, his dance moves are really weird. I kind of thought, that is, I don't like that. That's not a joke to me. But then I realised that he's going for this unnerving type of performance. And when he's talking to uh, Murray, uh, Robert De Niro's character, before, you know. (laughs) Yeah, before the ending of the movie. Before the ending of the movie. Yes. And uh, when he's talking to him and he's got that kind of low girl, it's just like, you, you brought me up here. You played my films. Okay, I'm not meant to like you. You're meant to be unnerving and unsettling. And I think that's part of the, the whole Joker uh, experience. Yeah, Phoenix's Joker is an un—he's a mentally ill person. Yeah, who is seething with rage and has his just wants to strike back. And when you see how those dance scenes are played into the like when they fit into the narrative of the mm. movie, those dance scenes you realize are an outlet of his. But it's something that you know he has weird moving stuff, but he is a good dancer. He is flowing he is a very yeah. in the moment and he is very free and liberated in his dance moves but he never focuses on that he yeah. focuses on his stand-up comedy and it's what makes him horrific is that yeah. he is so unpleasant to look at and he's yeah. so unpleasant to so be around unnerving uh, there was kind of a an unnatural See, sense you're... about him because yeah. when he's there's a bit when he's trying to uh, pull open his shoes and you see his shoulders pop out and there's a bit when he's running away from the police and it looks painful the way he's running it looks uneasy yeah, and that's the thing is he never drops that run. Like, when he runs the first time like that, mm. you're like, oh, he's running in clown shoes. That's why he runs like that. He's lifting his feet up because yeah, he's just... trying to clear the shoes. He has to bring them up and down in a flat motion so that they don't trip. Yeah. And you realise when he's wearing normal shoes, he still runs like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, he just... he He's just used to that run. He that's how he runs. He's a natural athlete. And when one thing I noticed about the, the senior talking about when he's in the locker room, he's pulling up in these shoes, only one of his shoulders is up like that. Yeah. The other one isn't. And it's really fucking unnerving. And he, like, Phoenix did that on purpose. Yeah. And he had this, like, weird thing of, like, I'm just going to be a circus freak. Yeah. I'm going to look unnatural. I'm going to look unnerving. And it, it builds so well to the point where you, when you get, like, a good chunk of the way through the movie, you realise, like, the, the Joker's laugh. This isn't a laugh he does because he's happy. This is a laugh it's he... It's a tick. It's yeah. a tick. And you see, oh, so he can't control it. And then you realise, oh, shit. Almost everything about this character is broken. Yeah. In a certain way. So yeah, I, I, again, like... Yeah, I genuinely can't wait to see the full thing. I mean, he's already picked up, uh, was it Screen Guild's artist or some shit? Uh, Screen Actors Guild. He's won awards. some award for it. 
Um, and when it comes to Oscar season, you'll be very hard pressed to find someone who. Yeah, I think he's at least taken away at minimum of four Oscars. That's a that's bare minimum. I think he's taken four hair and makeup. I was like, dude, there's barely any hair and makeup involved. <laughs> Anybody could do that kind of makeup. It was. I think it kind of lends to the whole unnerving aspect of uh, the Joker or Phoenix's Joker is the, the makeup and how simple it is. Because when you've got the plain white makeup and the the dark eyes and the and the you know the big red lips and I'm like okay that's kind of yeah it's the Joker it's meant to be unnerving but when you add just a little bit more color in it and you take away the dark black eyes and you've just got the blue yeah. and you've got the blue no- the red nose and stuff you're like okay they're going for something that you're meant to think this is funny this I'm meant to be at peace around clowns mm. and they're just trying to make it burn into your fucking psyche that this is not a good situation this yeah. is bad he's a clown up there with Pennywise in the idea yeah. of it being creepy yes, as fuck it looks like a clown but this is not a clown in yeah. any sense yeah. of the Pennywise word. will eat your face off Joker will shoot you yeah. that's where we're on that one uh, epic rap battles history did Joker versus Pennywise okay and if you want to talk about guys who've improved their acting game over the years those two are so in character it's unnerving hmm. uh, nice Peter is playing the Joker and the lyrics are good and I think they're really good and I, when you look at the characters you're like oh shit this like the way they've uh, went back and found the references that tie both characters together and stuff it's very very well done yeah. but their performances like the nice Peter's Joker is a damn good version of the cartoon Joker the animated Batman version oh, right. yeah, holy shit the, the, the embodiment of that and then you know, mm. having Pennywise with this just slew of special effects like when you watch the background scenes of Pennywise's uh, scenes in that rap battle, you're like, there's so many details. I, went, I, I will go back and watch it like once, yeah. once a week at this point. Epic Just rap battles is always a channel that I'm surprised is still there because they disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. They went away for about a year, maybe longer. Between season five and six, they um, oh, this is, I think it's now season six, but the newest season right now between the last one and this one they're working on now, uh, they went independent. They left Maker Studios, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then that was, a lot of these internet studios are being absorbed by bigger companies. And right now that system itself is falling apart. Yeah. And a lot of people losing their jobs. I know there's a lot of... Uh, yeah. I'm quite glad you brought that up. We'll, we'll come back to that. Definitely. They, they decided, nope, we're, we're done. We're, we're leaving this behind. Uh, we want to make our own thing. We're going to go independent. We'll do a Patreon. If you guys want to support us, you can. And we will earn your money through videos. The old fashioned way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've they've stepped out from that, and what they've created since then has been really good. I've been very very happy to see them back. But again, it's one of the channels that you say like, how the hell did you guys come back from a complete shutdown of a year, which yeah. is apparently impossible. Yeah. But we're seeing more and more people do it. like Gus Johnson, the YouTube comedian's done it. Idubs yeah. can do it at will, but he's some weird kind of transdimensional being. Yeah. Um, and then Gus Johnson was like, he is he part of a comedy troupe? I don't think so. I don't think he is. He does he does sketch comedy though. Yeah. He's very funny. I, I find him very funny anyway. Yeah, I, I know who Gus Johnson is because he showed up in the Valley Folk a few times, which... He does seem like he has like those yeah. LA friends connections yeah. and stuff. And if they if he doesn't have them, I'm sure anyone would want to have them on... Yeah. Have him on their show. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I forgot my original point. Right, uh, going back to how the YouTube companies are now, or some smaller YouTube studios are now being absorbed by... Well, I'd say bigger used, companies. It used to be that studios were div- like absorbed by bigger companies, and now a lot of companies are losing the interest because mm. that bubble has burst. Yeah, and it is a case of we just kind of are walking through a slow motion 
stock market collapse yeah. with online content creation because there's too much of it. There's only so many eyeballs, there's only so many hours in the day, yeah. and there's only so much engagement that groups have with their audience. Yeah. I, th- I think this is starting to implode on different companies. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, I can see maybe it hitting the bigger companies. Like Rooster Teeth is probably going to change hands another couple of times, if not go completely independent, which would be a huge thing for them because they are a massive company at this point. But I'd be happy with that because I am not a fan of the fact that they are shoving the new Birds of Prey movie down my throat. If I open up a Rooster Teeth uh, email saying, now in stock, Birds of Prey merchandise, I don't want to go and see this movie. Stop giving me <laughs> shit about it. I don't care that it's a... Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing Huntress. I, the character of the Huntress is pretty cool. Uh, I, I still don't want to go and see this fucking movie. Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. Yeah, it fits, but you'll fuck it up. I guarantee you. <laughs> I'm not giving you the chance. You're Warner Brothers. You got it right once. I'm not yeah. giving you the second chance to fuck it up. Like your, your TV sector might be doing fucking gangbusters because you did the right thing. You connected the movies and the TV mm. because they, uh, in the Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, special, with the CW shows, uh, Ezra Miller's Flash showed up to meet Grant Gustin's Flash from the TV show. Right. And uh, everyone was just like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And the Warner Brothers executive has meant it means exactly what you think it means. TV universe, movie universe are now interconnected. Right. So realistically, you could have Barry Allen from Earth Prime show up in Ezra Miller's uh, Barry, uh, Barry Allen's uh, Earth. Right. Just You can do that shit now. There may be multiple Batman. We've just opened up the doors to all this shit. Yeah, like there's the possibilities are endless, which is where I think Marvel shot themselves in the foot by saying now we're keeping those universes separate, even though it's been stated that the New York that Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and all that came from, that was the same New York where the aliens invaded, but they decided to keep them all separate. I think they split it afterwards because I'm pretty sure that obviously uh, events in Avengers uh, with uh, Agent Coulson, yeah, like him dying. And then leading Shield is still canon in part of the Shield world, which is yeah, the Agents of Shield show. Yeah, so I think that is there's like a a point. It just diverges after Mm -hmm. the first Avengers movie. Yeah, I I agree with it in the sense of that. So they don't have the bleed over. They acknowledge it, but I think what the the DC shows are doing better is that they're allowing the movie or the TV show characters to maybe jump into the movies. Like they've maybe they've got a really good uh, Green Arrow and Stephen Amell. we can use them in the movies now. Yeah. We don't need to go and recast. It, it opens up more doors. Whereas uh, in Spider-Man 3, they've had to rejig it because Daredevil was originally meant to show up. Right. And it was meant to be Charlie Cox from the Netflix show. But that's now gone away. They've had to write out uh, Daredevil. I have a theory on that one. And it is basically that the, the movies are moving too fast. Yeah. They are hearing through the fucking con, like the content of the comic books, they are just burning through as many yeah. pages as they possibly can to make the biggest stories that they can. Mm-hmm. And then the problem is that those stories are now at cosmic level almost, yeah. almost at the point where like the fabric of reality is going to be pulled apart in the next couple of movies. I think that might be the case with yeah. some upcoming movies. I'm not sure. Yeah, I like wild conspiracy theory. Might I genuinely think the boat. Uh, I do agree with you that they've built up the worlds too fast. I think that the only logical next villain that they could have could be Galactus. Because you've Thanos is a fucking world ender. Yeah, he's big, he's the big bad of the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. There's not many people more powerful than him. You and went to Thanos too quickly, in my opinion. And to match, you know, the, you have to continue to escalate or yeah. make things personal. And Marvel can do both if they feel yeah. like it. But they'll make the personal stuff happen in the individual movies. But the yeah. Avengers stuff has to continue the power yeah. level escalation. 
And the only way that happens is you start really fucking with some stuff. And then at that point, would it make any sense for the, the Avengers in the movies to be doing all this end of the world yeah, type Yeah, God missions, level shit. But then back in the TV show, Daredevil is just going to kind of fuck up some street punks. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite matter. If those things are supposed to be happening at the same time, you're like... Uh, Daredevil, like you're not the biggest, but could you go help? Like you're you're needed yeah. over there. They need some guy with a stick and can punch <laughs> things. For some reason, they need to, a blind guy with a stick to beat the fuck out of the bad guy. Yeah. Can you go deal with that? I'm pretty sure a cop can come by and just shoot these muggers. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, somebody we, could just take care of those guys. Be fine. There might just be an armed civilian around. They can probably <laughs> take care of that shit for you. Off Don't, off duty sheriff, he can take care of them all. <laughs> just a drunk guy with a shotgun. <laughs> drunk guy with half a bottle. <laughs> Me you, thunk. There <laughs> <laughs> you go, Daredevil, I did your job. Turns out it's not so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> they call me One-Eyed Pete. What do they call you? Daredevil. <laughs> You're a joke, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just One-Eyed Pete swaggers off at the sunset. <laughs> Bottle over the shoulder. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our episode title is One-Eyed Pete. Take a note, take a note. Because I keep forgetting this. I keep on text you. Afterwards. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got Pete. it, I got it, I got it. One-Eyed Pete swaggers off at the sunset. But I, I do think there is the, the power of creep escalation problem that a lot of media phase, especially action-based media, um, you know, anime suffers from it all the time. How how quickly does Dragon Ball Z escalate beyond yeah. like core characters? If you grew up with Dragon Ball, I only watched Z and onwards. I'm used to rapid power escalation. If you yeah. had a show based on martial arts technique, and then all of a sudden halfway through it switches to just raw power levels that yeah. people are capable of, and half of, or actually two thirds of your cast are just not in the running anymore. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it must be a mindfuck mm. for uh, people who were fans of Dragon Ball back in the day to go from, you know, the core cast, you had Krillin who could realistically fight Goku and then you've got Yamcha who was a threat, <laughs> Tien who was a threat uh, and you had King Piccolo and Piccolo Jr. Yeah. Who were all fucking big bad end, like viable, season enders. Yeah. And then Emperor Pilaf was not a joke. Emperor Pilaf was actually a serious threat. Then you go to Z to find out that Piccolo and Goku have helped, uh, have teamed up. Yamcha is now a baseball player. <laughs> Tien and uh, Chaozhu are just fucking off in the desert or something, doing uh, somewhere doing fuck all. <laughs> and uh, Bulma, who was a fairly pivotal part of the the old show now in Dragon Ball Z, is just literally a baby maker. She's the baby and machine maker of that show. Yeah, she's. Do we need something made? Can Bomber do it? No. Can Bomber's company do it? Yes. Problem yeah, solved. Yeah, she can pay people because she has infinite amounts of money. Yes. She makes two fucking spaceships. <laughs> like, that's got to be at least a billion each. Uh, she makes two billion spaceships that you can condense down to the size of a Tic Tac. Yeah. Somehow. Don't ask questions. I can't wait for that technology to become real in the <laughs> next thousand years. What do you think? I like the idea. Why are you living? Why do you want to keep going? What, Just trust me. <laughs> you've been here for centuries, Dom. Do you not? Do you not grow old or just tired and jaded of this universe? Nope. Nope. My house is not a pill yet. <laughs> I not can't fucking reach leaving. into my pocket, <laughs> throw a pill, and that pill explodes into a car. I am not dying yet. <laughs> just keep injecting adrenaline into myself. I'm going to live. <laughs> Hang on yet. <laughs> you can't stop me. <laughs> Just stubborn to die. <laughs> <laughs> Just I haven't moved from one chair. The chairs are eroded around me. I ain't moving. Speaking of too stubborn to die, the oh, fucking shit. internet's obsession with cats. Okay, you didn't watch that. Don't fuck with cats thing, did you? I did. What's it all about? I thought it was a documentary. Then at first I thought it was a parody. Then I thought it was a documentary. Then I thought it was some mix of both. Then I seen that Twitter got its fucking feathers all ruffled up about it. So. The feathers were ruffled by the fact that they talk about 
a guy who kills multiple cats. Um, this is a guy, you're not a big fan of cats, are you? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. You're okay. I'm not going to fucking kick one, but at the same time, dogs are better. But would you put two in a vacuum sealed bag and then suck all the air out of that bag? I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> That's what some guy did and put a video of it on the internet. This obviously upset a lot of people. Yeah, I can imagine. That same person will then go on to kill a another cat by taping it to a broom handle and then holding it underwater in a bath. Uh, he will then stab a man to death and then for some reason also kill a puppy. Um, ah, leave dogs alone. Leave dogs and cats alone, man. And then he will flee the country to Germany. Uh, this uh, is the story not only of these events happening, but a group of people who were so outraged by this, they formed uh, a vigilante group to hunt down this guy using information from the videos he posted of these killings online. Hmm. It's a very interesting documentary because it does show that people can do something. People can, enough people can look at the same thing and analyse it to eventually get some answers that can lead to a possible prosecution of a convicted criminal or a hmm. criminal uh, that you know really should be taken out of the streets was deeply and mentally unwell and who maybe would have been caught sooner if people had listened to the people involved but one thing that gets glossed over by almost because almost every podcast I listen to has seen this documentary mm-hmm. and talked about it and they all come to the same conclusion of it's ridiculous why do people not listen to these people who were gathering all this evidence before this happened the answer to that is actually in the first episode of this the, uh, episode series, and that is because these guys got it wrong uh, to begin with. They think they found the answer in some guy from like a southern state in the US. He's just another guy. Uh, no, but he was a guy from the southern US who was then in South Africa. Just he moved over there, and people were like, that's the guy. That's got to be the fucking guy. This guy gets harassed so so much, he kills himself. And no one I have seen is talking about the fact that these guys got it fucking wrong because they got a large group of like 5,000 people together mm-hmm. that began combing through every detail of the original video of the, the two cats in the bag. Um, they then somehow get in contact with a... It's a weird kind of reality TV show, YouTube channel thing where it's a group of like former bikers who go around, like, they're all, like, these big hardened ex-bikers, they're all fucking massive, size of fridges and shit, yeah. and they go in and they, they investigate and deal with animal abuse claims. So if they all find right. a video like this, they will hunt it down. But they have a massive online following. Thousands of the followers from that group join the main group, and that's when this all this uh, investigation goes off, and it kicks off so fast that after they, like, announce a partnership to investigate these crimes of this the kittens in the bag that they find this guy so fast and there's a small group of people and they're like, I don't think it's the guy. I, there's something about it isn't right. Yeah, we something's need, off. We need to slow down and investigate. Everyone else is like, nah, fuck it. And they just throw themselves at this one dude. Thousands of emails a day and the guy just kills himself out of nowhere. And then the the original kind of core of the group and some others are like, we can't let this happen again. Yeah. We harassed a man to death and we have to take some responsibility for that. So they form a splinter group and it's only about 20 of them that they eventually just say like we'll set up a private Facebook group we'll all investigate this in private and we'll find out what's going on we'll try and make all this information and gather all this info from the videos and then we'll present it to police so they can properly investigate it the police don't get involved until until the man's killed in Canada uh, he is stabbed to death with an ice pick and he is 
revealed to be the lover of the killer. Um, the the killer it turns out is working as like a rent boy or like as a, an escort, and he gets this guy back to the hotel room. Says, "Oh, I want to be tied up and stuff," and he ties up the victim and then stabs the fuck out of the guy. It's like forty seven puncture wounds or something to the torso. Jesus, hacks him apart. So is this the guy that killed the cats? That they yeah, the same guy then escalates to killing people. Right. He cuts the guy into pieces, puts those pieces into bags, and then distributes them around a, a college campus. Oh, fuck. He sends the foot to the Prime Minister of Canada. He sends it to Justin Trudeau? No, no, no. He sends it to the then Prime Minister of Canada. But for some reason, a Canadian news show interviewed Justin Trudeau about this when he was just a member of Parliament. So you have like babyface Justin Trudeau, not blackface Justin Trudeau, but babyface Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Dude, that, uh, that was more chocolate face though. Did we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll come. <laughs> but yeah. the um, they have this um, like interview with like babyface Justin Trudeau. He was like, "Yeah, this is really outrageous. Can't believe somebody would do this." And I'm like, "Bro, this will be you in like five years." Yeah, it's so weird. But uh, yeah, he's um, it, it's all to do with the investigation, and I look into you know just the the power of vigilante justice. The dangers of vigilante yeah. justice, and uh, the dangers of mob mentality as well. Maybe <laughs> yeah. stop, stop and think. P- pretty good message to have out there these days. Yeah. Um, and then just how the police would actually investigate and finish off the investigation and catch the guy, and uh, the guy getting caught is probably one of the funny fucking things I've ever seen, because uh, he's caught in a web cafe in Germany looking at the Interpol post of his own face, like he's checking himself out on Interpol. Because he's an international wanted fugitive because he left Canada on a murder charge to go to Germany. Hmm. So he becomes an Interpol target. Um, the only uh, a van of poli- or the only like police unit in the region is a van of cadets <laughs> and a sergeant. So the sergeant's like, oh, I've got to go do this. Like, we have to catch this guy. If we get him, it's a massive win for our organisation. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, I'm taking the cadets. And you see eight or nine German police cadets Fucking big boys, <laughs> whole ass men walking into this room. They barely fit through the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> Turn sideways and shuffle through. They just like walk into this cafe, and uh, it's fucking bright because the, the cafe owner like figured it out. Like he 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 sees the guy. He sees the Interpol report and they like uh, the news coverage of it. Sees the guy looking at his own face on the Interpol website and goes, "I got to call the police." <laughs> he runs back for the was like, "Hey, uh, I have the guy. I have that. What's his name, guy here." in the fucking building can you guys come get him I'll keep his like meter running I'll let him run for like another 50 minutes so he stays on he stays in my cafe but you get it here now and just this footage of like these 8 or 9 like cadets in like fake army or not fake army but like non it's militaristic but not army uniforms Mm. walking through the door and just picking this guy up and marching back (laughs) out the fucking door (laughs) dude you got fucked (laughs) You know, oh, I got 15 minutes. Oh, excellent. I get 15 free minutes of internet access. <laughs> Boy, you're about to go to jail. <laughs> Boy, you're about to learn something. The um, it, I found really interesting, though, was the, the at the end of it, they're like, we need to fly the guy back to Canada. There is no uh, airline that's willing to be associated with this guy because he murdered fucking kittens and puppies. And they're like, what do we do? How do we get this guy back? We need to fly him back from Germany to Canada. They're like, 
hey, can we borrow a Canadian army jet? <laughs> <laughs> they put them in the back of like an, uh, a, Germ- uh, a military transport plane and just fly them back to Canada in the back of that. Because <laughs> nobody, like everyone's like, this is too toxic. Like we don't want to be associated. We don't want to touch this guy. This is bad for our brand. <laughs> we're, we're Southwest Airlines. We beat the fuck out of people. But this is bad for our brand. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that guy. Oh, it's it, it's it's a interesting documentary. I I don't like several of the people in it because they're just really obnoxious. Like uh, I don't want to use the phrase like soccer moms, but there's a lot of those people yeah. in there. Dude, you guys are like this close, like so fucking close to f- screwing this entire investigation up for the entire documentary process. And this is over the course of like a year. Yeah. And you're like, you guys were so close to fucking all this up for everyone involved. This guy could have slipped through at any point and just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, that kind of highlights one of the main problems behind vigilante justice because sometimes maybe you're not doing, you've, your intentions are in the right place, but maybe the the method could use a bit of upgrade. There's uh, a reason there's a trained professional force yeah. of investigators and beat cops and there's there's a reason there's a system built up. Yeah, there's, there's a reason why people get paid to do this and you are just, you you work in another field. It's, it's hard to believe that there's some sick, sick fuckers out there because I'm not the biggest fan of cats, mm. mainly because I'm quite allergic to them, but I would never kill one. No. Like, you imagine it's a power trip for him. He gets to exercise this much control, this much yeah. power over something that can't really fight back. You get a couple of bites or scratches, that's about it. Something that can't fight back and harm you. There's got to be some power trip element in there. They do spend a lot of time explaining his psychology in a way. Not mm. so much through like actually having psychology, but just to show you what he went through and why he would then retaliate against the world in that way. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about his obsession with old Hollywood movies that comes into play. And it's quite interesting. What's terrifying, though, for me is the fact they interview his mum and his mum's still like, that's my baby boy. He couldn't possibly do this. I'm like, we have, have him on video. video. <laughs> he videoed himself stabbing his gay lover 47 times. We can show you that tape. We don't fucking want to, but we guarantee you he fucking did it. Yeah. And they're like, nah, it's just a bunch of people on the internet trying to pick on my son because he's beautiful and handsome. He's my baby boy. Yeah. You know what? You're crazy. You're absolutely off the fucking deep end. Yeah. Mother, mothers lack uh, objectivity. They, they, they can't. They can't look at that and go, "Oh, that's clearly my son stabbing him." Nah, it's not my boy. Uh, no, I'm my boy. No, my boy. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we Johnny, we did do that. Nah, he just did. He's doing it right now. He did it again <laughs> and again and again and again and again. He had, he had cellmates. Our fault for putting him in a cell with other people, but he killed them. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's um. It, yeah, it's it's an interesting documentary. I I do feel like a lot of people are glossing over the fact that these guys did fuck it up at one point. Yeah. Uh, when they do get down to the core smaller group of like the twenty or so. Yeah. Um, that eventually does help the police department. It is it's a step in the right direction, yeah. and it is a, is a good point. But you do realize that when there were fifteen thousand people involved, they fucking killed a guy. They drove a guy to suicide, and I just I I can't yeah. I can't figure out why people aren't talking about that. Probably because it happens in episode one and the remaining episodes are so fucking shocking. Yeah. I think it's, it's very, when you get mobs like that, it's, it's a very utilitarian view. It's just, we need to get this guy, whatever, whatever end justifies the means that we take. Yeah. If we, some guy dies, we apologize, but we <laughs> got the guy in the end. Like, nah, man, you still caused an innocent guy to fucking kill himself. There are better documentaries out there. Um, I'd like to recommend real quick. Uh, a, another Netflix documentary called Hail Satan okay. but it's Hail Satan with a question mark it's a very funny uh, it's about some Satan worshippers that question their worship 
No, no, it's uh Should we hail Satan? They're not actually well, they they are and they aren't uh Satanists because you realise very quickly on these are just a bunch of snarky atheists <laughs> <laughs> who are doing all of this for political gain. They they want to challenge the fact that uh, I think it's I think it's Oklahoma or Oklahoma or Connecticut, so a southern state, is allowing a statue of the Ten Commandments to be put in front of the Capitol House or the Capitol uh, building mm-hmm. of their state. Now, U.S. demands the separation of church and state. Yeah, they don't do it a lot. Yeah, uh, they're, they're very bad at it. <laughs> yeah, and the fundamentalist Christians seem to have worked their way into the system very well yeah and these guys are an atheist movement masquerade kind of masquerading and they, they do enjoy the satanism and they have actually formed a pretty yeah, they good enjoy business. a wee bit of the satanism a wee bit they're there's, no full in on the satanism there's not, a bit of satanism there's no blood sacrifices as far as i can tell <laughs> so as far as what i've seen but these guys have actually built a very good trusting community they do actually seem to have built a church by accident of these hmm. people who believe in uh, individual kind of sovereignty and rights but also responsibilities and they want to contribute to the communities in good ways like they they um adopt stretches of highway and keep it clean at the weekends like they have an organization that puts out a good positive message just to fuck with christians (laughs) (laughs) it's it's very funny to watch this group that is just trying to say we disagree with the fact that christians can raise this uh statue of the ten commandments and therefore as a religious group we demand the statue of Baphomet be put exactly next to the Ten Commandments because as a religious group, if they can do it, we can do it too. And they fight this all the way through the legal system. It's a lot of fucking fun to watch this movie. And uh, it, it gets really weird towards the end because at the end of the documentary, Trump gets elected. And one of the like church leaders, like every every group has uh, a leader. And then they report to like, a national council that runs out of Salem, Massachusetts, where the Salem witch trials happened. Okay. Pretty fucking metal, if you ask me. Yeah. It's quite funny, because they have uh, all these, like, nice, uh, picturesque houses out in the out in the, uh, the suburbs, mm-hmm. and then you have one painted black. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guess where the Satanists live? <laughs> it's, um, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of interesting characters, but during the, the Trump election, the uh, head of the church in Detroit goes off her fucking rocker <laughs> and she's like she's in she hosts this big massive party it's like we're gonna go out there i want donald trump's head in a fucking spike and you're like okay that's oh, a reaction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to fire her yeah they can't have her staying there and they're like we're not we're in, we're a non-violent political organization i'm all for you protesting trump i'm all for you dis- I'm, I'm not even opposed to using your platform to disagree with trump but you called for his head on a spike. Yeah. <laughs> and sure, there are some people that will go the whole hog. <laughs> we, we're called Satanists. There are some people who might be attracted to that. You don't want to give ideas to. Yeah. And her interview is quite good because she just sits there and goes, well, I do get to claim that I'm the one person who was too radical for the Church of Satan. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> it, it just seems it's like... It's got to be an interesting conversation starter as well. It's like, you know the Church of Satan? Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're all about the beast and yeah. healing the beast. Yeah, they kicked me out because I was too radical. Yeah. What? But what now? <laughs> they, they do talk about as well the... Because uh, they're the satanic temple. There was the Church of Satan, which was founded by Anton Levy who is the original Satanist from, like, the 80s and the... Maybe in the 70s. Mm. But he was the, the like, the full-on, like, the Black Mass and stuff. These guys are just there to create political noise, to say we don't like how Christian America has become. It should be not atheistic, but it should be 
uh, without a dedicated religion. Yeah. And they just oppose the religious encroachment of uh, the fundamentalist Christians. Mm. It's, it's very funny to watch. I'd recommend it. It's only like 80 minutes. No, it's not at all. It's good. And it moves along like a good clip. So it's, it's a very fun documentary. It's a lot better yeah. than uh, Don't Fuck With Cats. So. Yeah. I think with uh, Don't Fuck With Cats is when you see people, it's it's weird to think that when you see people killing animals that resonates with people more than people killing people yeah. like a person gets killed like oh dude that's so sad but when a person kills a, a cat or a dog or any other kind of pet people get up in fucking arms yeah because they've killed the cute thing like, it's an innocent it's uh it's one of the few things that yes yeah, yeah. an animal and it probably would like it would a, a cute baby cat would also rip the face of a cute baby bird off yeah. and eat it for dinner but it's an animal. It doesn't know any better. It yeah, is it's, it's instinct. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't think, I think people don't hold back on animal, with animal rights yeah. issues. So I mean, that was actually a slogan for many, many uh, homeless charities and other uh, uh, charities that were for non-animal rights. Well, that was a horrible thing. Like, I basically just said like they want to get rid of animals, but basically non-animal based what, charity. Yeah, fuck Peter. <laughs> <laughs> fuck those guys. Nah, but in, a, in the UK, I don't know what it's like in the US or Canada or any other place, but there was a lot of uh, adverts for uh, charities that weren't, you know, for uh, based around animals or something like that. Yeah. They were saying that if I was an animal, you would you would donate without hesitation, but because I'm a human being with an illness, you're more hesitant. So there's always that thing where it's ingrained into us that pets need to be protected. Pets are just a cute thing. Yeah. We need to, you know, save that innocence. Yeah, something, something about a guy just going out and killing cats just riles people up the wrong way. Yeah, it's it, it's horrible because it is just so... Yeah, it's pretty nasty. Th- there's no way you can say, well, the cat really you know, cut me off in traffic today. I really just felt yeah, like taking out the guy. cat. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can justify putting two cats in a in a bag and removing Sucking all oxygen from yeah. out of the bag. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, it's a bit of a rough topic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking I mean, of rough topics, do you see? I don't know. Well, I saw this when I saw the Jojo uh, Rabbit trailer. Yeah. Um, what did I see with that? I saw two movies on the same day, and one of them was I saw it was Rise of Skywalker. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I saw Jojo Rabbit afterwards in the same day. So I saw the same advert for movies twice. I've never been more mad. <laughs> shitty advert. Like there's a cola advert that's just about being sassy and being yourself. I'm like, fuck everyone in this. <laughs> I, was, I was not fuck impressed the, the first time. <laughs> fuck the director. See you, key grip. Fuck you too. <laughs> um, but in the trailers, I saw the Mulan trailer. Yeah. They're, they're doing a Mulan reboot with all these kind of live, live action adaptations of the, the animated classics. Which have worked out so fucking well. Jungle Book was good. Jungle Book was good. Jungle Book was real good. Christopher Walken still was the goddamn show. Idris Elba. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Idris Elba was good, but Christopher Walken's <laughs> rendition of I Want to Be Like You. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, like, I didn't see this. This will be fine. It'll be mediocre. Oh. <laughs> and then even at that, his, like, King Louis being a fucking gangster. Yeah. Uh, and him just peering at the shadows. Like, oh shit, this is kind of terrifying. <laughs> be a shame if something happened to you. A pile of bananas there, wouldn't it, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, listen, kid, when you go into the man's village, I want to get me the man's flame. Because I told you to, right? You're like, yes, Christopher Walken, I will do it. You're throwing lighters at the screen, take it. Don't look at me again. But uh, the, the, the live action... Wasn't Bill Murray in that as well? Yes, he is Bully the Bear. All oh, right. Uh, yeah, it, it's like a star-studded cast. Yeah. It's Scarlett Johansson is... Uh, uh, Car, the snake. Yeah. Uh, and I say, you sell as Bagheera. Uh, uh, but I... Uh, 
No, wait, it's uh, Ben Kingsley's Bagheera. No, the, Ben Ben Kingsley's the the good one. Yeah, it's Bagheera, and um, then it's Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn's Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. I was thinking one. Oh, who the hell is the is it tiger? Sh- it's like Shere Khan or something. Shere Khan, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's it, Idris Elba. That's Idris Elba. Like, yeah. Just a great I, I never got to that fight. I never got to that bit at the end because I was watching it with my niece and she got terrified. <laughs> it's actually pretty intense yeah. when they kick it's it up at the end. Good half, movie. I, I enjoyed it. The digital effect, the, com- the yeah. compositing, the, uh, the way Do you know who directed look- it? Who? My boy, John Favreau. Shit. I'm telling you, John Favreau can do no fucking wrong right now. He's just knocking it out of the park. Did he not do the Lion King one as well? I think he was in there. Oh, wait, no, he did do Lion King. Yeah, yeah. Lion there King it is. Sucked. I was thinking, you, know, you may regret that. I don't yeah. know why, but I think you might regret that. He then made up for with Mandalorian. He, he, he can, can do, do a little a, bit of wrong. He can do yeah. a little bit of wrong. He can fine. do some wrong. He's, he's human. He can do some wrong, and that's okay. And then he can make a cheese toastie that'll make you burst in your pocket. <laughs> you burst a nut, son. <laughs> um, he, that much butter will kill you, but uh, God damn, if you're going to have an enjoyable 10 I've minutes. I've been trying to figure out for ages why Bill Burr was in The Mandalorian, and it's because he was on Chef Show. Yeah. Fuck, that's why. Because yeah. they know each other. He would have went, he'd be great uh, in that dude, role. Dude, put me in the fucking Mandalorian. Grab Bill Burr. Someone get Bill yeah. Burr. Oh, wait, I can get Bill Burr. <laughs> I know Bill Burr. Put wait, him in there. I know how to get Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> I got his phone number. But uh, the, the Mulan trailer, it actually looks pretty decent. They're going straight action, no musical, mm. uh, which is a shame because then there'll be a generation of kids who will never know the glory of making a man out of you. Which is the manliest song of all time. Don't fucking fight me on this one. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. Someone, a very famous Chinese actor did a rendition of Make a Man Out of You. And it will put hair on the hair on your hair on the balls. Like, <laughs> oh, it's fucking Jackie Chan. No way. Jackie Chan sung, he's the singing voice. This is either great or racist. <laughs> no, it's, it's real, dude. Google it right fucking now. Jackie Chan was the singing voice for the uh, the Chinese adaptation or the Chinese dubbing. Right. For okay. a whatever the captain's name is, in the movie, yeah. ah, Jackie Chan was his singing voice, and there's something about him singing in Chinese with that kind of the military drum behind him. Yeah, You're like dude, give me a spear, I will kill a motherfucker right now. <laughs> I'll do it for you, Jackie Chan. I will, ki- I will counter invade Mongolia right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will kill a motherfucker. Actually, that reminds me of something I really want to talk about. Yeah, um, and it's didn't you find it weird that the eagle is now a lady? The eagle. Yeah, uh, in the in the animated movie, the bad guy with the flambeur sword oh, right, yeah, has um, an eagle, but now the eagle is some kind of weird sorcerer thing. Yeah, the sorceress, they've, they've taken stuff and re- moved around. The thing I find weird is that uh, Wushu isn't there anymore. The dragon. The dragon's so, No more Eddie Murphy? No more Eddie Murphy. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could do it. Maybe if they're going for a more serious one, they're going yeah, to get rid of it. Yeah, they're doing it more direct, they're doing it. However, they have replaced it. They've put in this iconography of the phoenix... And there was a shot of a phoenix flying into the sunset. And I am putting cash on the table right now that at some point during the final fight, Mulan goes down, she sees a fucking phoenix in the air and gets up one more time. Yeah. Because she's been put in there. Part of the whole thing is, oh, you're the, like, part our family's always been tied with a phoenix. And I'm like, she's going to rise up like a fucking shonen protagonist. Yeah. I'm going to fucking scream at them. (laughs) She's going to get that, uh, I know in Dragon Ball they call it the Toriyama uh, handjob. Yeah. Where they just they're down and all of a sudden they get the new power. Vegeta got it. Goku Goku's had it fucking every season. It's uh, Zenkai boost. Zenkai boost. Zenkai. Well, well that's what the Saiyans get. So Zenkai yeah. boost. But yes, yeah, the Toriyama handjob. Where the, yeah. right, where the, the I right, can't go on. I can go on. <laughs> I can't go on. Oh wait, the power of friendship. I can go on again. <laughs> yeah, Ray got it. <laughs> the final fight against the Emperor. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was looking into that and I was like, okay, this they're going a bit fantastical with it because it is a kids movie. That's the one thing we keep forgetting with these things. These are kids movies and it it looks like it has a little bit of potential. Some of the, the acrobatics looks pretty cool. Mm. Um, for some reason, the Mongols can run up walls, but all right then. Or can they always do that? <laughs> that's why they built the Great Wall. They're like, you can run up a wall, but can you run up a Great Wall, uh-huh. sir? They're like, ah, fuck, what are you thinking st- of? Your stats do not allow you to do that. You have a 10-foot limit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> How much movement you got, bitch? <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I think it I think it'll be decent. I'm, I'm willing to put a bit of faith into this one because, yeah, it's a bit hit and miss. It depends on you know, the audience reaction. Is yeah. it just going to be cheesy and needless or is it going to be an interesting story? And I think this one might actually be worth watching. I think if they, they update it in the right way and make it more about, make it more action-based. Yeah, it seems like they're going for just it an could action work. movie. And I, because I, Aladdin, they tried to make it a bit more like, there was some subplot about war with another kingdom. I'm like, dude, just focus on Aladdin and the genie. You've got Will Smith and he's doing fuck all. <laughs> why Why is Will Smith doing nothing? Uh, why? Right, I'm going to fucking vent a wee bit here because I watched it recently with my niece. She fucking loves it. She's every right to love it. I still tell her when she comes around, can we watch the animated one? It's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but the final fight in the animated movie is fucking badass. When Aladdin has got the sword and he's fighting fucking giant snake... Uh, Jafar mm-hmm. and like the snakes clawing around him and you've got Jafar's cool as fuck metal face with the teeth bearing down on me like that is fucking badass yeah and the live action one they fight a giant Iago that looks fucking emaciated and zombie like mm. I remember watching that with my niece and it came on the screen and I, I went what the Falkirk in district was that <laughs> uh, I, I haven't so seen disappointed. it yet. I don't want to so see bad. it just seeing the, the trailer of it I was like Nah, I'm, I'm gonna give this one a miss. Yeah, and Aladdin is Aladdin's meant to be this kind of cheeky chappy that everyone likes. Like, ah, he's a, he's a fucking arsehole, but he'll rob you blind. He's a scoundrel. He's a scoundrel. I, oh, where's my wallet? Ah, there's Aladdin. He's away with my wallet. And, oh, you and, give it back. Oh, yeah, I'll get you one day. <laughs> but in the in the there's a lot of like fish shaking yeah. and pumping for those of you just listening to yeah. the audio. The all of you who aren't actually in the room with us. Yeah. <laughs> if not, why not? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Am I not good enough for you? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. But yeah. Fuck you, people. In the in the live action one, Aladdin's just kind of this monotone, very, very boring character. It's just like, I wish for this. I'm like, dude, I'm getting more emotion from the monkey. <laughs> like, genuinely, Frank Welker as a boo puts in a better performance than uh, whoever the fuck they got to play Aladdin. But the thing I want to talk about. Yeah. So I just need to vent about that every I, six I, months. I, I just get... <laughs> Fucking backed up. I get weird and big and blue and bloated and yeah, I just get mad. It's not Rob Williams again and yeah, know, yeah. Was there not enough? Will Smith does a good job. Though. Yeah. He, he does a good job. Some of the songs they could have done with just like, Rob Williams could sing in his style. Will Smith has a very much different style of singing. Why not update the songs? No one would have cared. People would have thought, "Oh, cool, he's doing his own take on it. Let's see what he does." He, he's a rapper, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he has a very long rap career. He probably yeah. could do it by accident if you let him. Yeah, um, they didn't let enough. They tried to make him stay too close to the original, and they crushed Will Smith in that role. Because I think they said to them like, "Try and be a bit more like Ron Williams, so you're not annoying the fans." What they should have said to them was, "Be more Will Smith. Like, we want more, more Will Smith." I uh, I want to talk about Mongolian invasions because we are in the midst of one, my friend. Are we? Did you not aware of the fact that the Who? are making bigger waves than they really should be. It's fucking great. The Who? The Who, the Mongolian metal band. 
Or I thought you were talking about the original Who. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the better Who. <laughs> um, since they've released their, uh, their... I like that you looked about there. It's like, the mods aren't coming for us. The mods are a long dead race <laughs> that we metalheads don't have to worry about going to war with ever again. The uh, the Who, the, the Mongolian metal version, uh, have released a bunch of their... We've talked about them on the show. Definitely give them a look. They've got mm. some great tracks out there. They've uh, followed the, the Finnish and uh, Swedish metal version of... Uh, doing the Mongolian version of the Swedish metal uh, music video where you just fly a drone around your country because your country is epic. Because <laughs> <laughs> your country looks pretty damn cool. It, it's cool. It's empty and it's vast. <laughs> you can just fly <laughs> a drone out there for a couple of days. It's fine. Um, but they've released a couple of their tracks with uh, English singers taking uh, a little bit of the, the vocals as well. Mm. Uh, Jackie B. Shaddix from Papa Roach did, uh, I think it's UVUVU. Um, which is one of their their better songs. Again, I I get to be a real dick about it, but I prefer the all Mongolian version. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being very helpful with this. I'm not going to lie. I'm no. being told every time I hear it playing, I'm like, do you know there's a, a Mongolian original version that's yeah, much better, much, better. much more authentic. I find yes, um, but you can much more true to the art form. <laughs> it's it's closer to what the manga intended. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I slipped into weeb there. Sorry, <laughs> it is very very easy to. But the um the even the original versions are now appearing more in just randomized playlists. I mean, there's a there's a couple people that like rocking a bit of metal mm. in the lab that I work in. But even the people who are just like, oh, I want to throw in some lighter rock, the Who eventually comes into circulation on YouTube algorithm playlists. Hmm. So something is happening. Like, there was a bit of a push. There's a shift now. It's sneaking into algorithms. Yeah. And you get to walk through and be like, hey, do you like this one track? I got some good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got more where that came from. There's a lot more where that came from. Yeah. And you should listen to it because it's awesome. So yeah, if, if you have somehow made it this far into the podcast and not listened to the Who before... Check them out. It's just DHU. Yeah. And uh, yeah, get ready for some like really enjoyable tribal Mongolian mm. metal. Yeah. You're in for a wild ride. But yeah, I just was like, this is amazing. Like, I get to share this with people and yeah. not seem like a crazy person. <laughs> I actually did listen to, I took one of your recommendations from the uh, the 2019 wrap up videos when you're talking yeah. about, uh, is it Side Effects? Uh, Cold was Rain. The Cold Rain is the band. The Side album. Effects is the album. Yeah. So, uh, Side Effects. You're not feeling I it? Didn't like it, man. Nah. It was a, I, the track that you recommended, like the the ballad type song, the one that's about the January first, yeah, yeah, that was not bad. But the rest of it I was like, this does seem like it's anime opening, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> I could not, yeah. could not get in it. Speaking of uh, things that we just could not get into, the My Chemical Romance tickets went on tour this morning. Yeah, they went on sale, and apparently they just went fucking nuts for them. Yeah, that sell it almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I know at least 20 people that have bought tickets and a further several more people that are at least mildly interested to go and see My Chemical Romance. Because we, uh, I don't think you went, but we missed out on Slipknot. We did. Yep. Yep. Much to my chagrin. Because we were busy between the announcement of the tickets going live and the 10 seconds after the tickets went live <laughs> yeah. so we couldn't get decent fucking tickets the only uh, tickets that were available when i went to go and buy them was seated tickets and that is literally like going to see it's literally like going to see slipknot seated there's there's no other allegory there, there, for it yeah it is literally you're going to see one of the most intense metal performances of your life you just take a seat be fine. yeah it's like going to a, like competing in a race but you're wearing concrete like there's no point in doing that although it does mean we would have had a chance to see the real star of the show. 
and that was the uh, the the child, the five year old, who went. I hope with earplugs in, mm-hmm. but he went with his dad. The dad was carrying him, and he was air drumming away. It's a Twitter video. And yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and he's fucking shit. <laughs> the fact that he has the red overalls as well. Yeah. And he had, I think he had makeup on. He had face paint he had on. a little bit of face paint on. And you're like, this is awesome. It's like, you're the fucking dad of the year there. I guarantee that might have been the same person who I seen at Comic-Con whose baby was a cosplaying Krillin. Because <laughs> the baby was bald, doesn't he? he? just put dots in his head and give him a costume. Alex walked past him and went, sir, if you don't get dad of the year, I'm going to make sure he, I'm going to get you a trophy or something. Yeah. But there was a, a, a small child up at the Slipknot venue just drumming away up in the nosebleeds but at the same time that kid was having a blast you can see he's just so in the moment he's bobbing back for his hands going all over the place and dad's just like I, be, I raised my son right yeah <laughs> so my son is well adjusted to that yeah, man fucking you have well my done. entire salute I absolutely love that this is gonna be so great we're like we will now have for the first time metal will be handed to the next generation with no stigma yeah there will be no all our weird nerd shit that we love there's now so many of us that just got into it. Yeah. We then hand out like, my son, these are my D&D books. And they'll yeah. be like, dad, I live in the future. I'm <laughs> I don't need books anymore, <laughs> you but I appreciate take, the gesture. <laughs> you will take this tome that says Dungeon Master's Guide on it and you will be the Dungeon Master. <laughs> Do you want to spend the next week in the hole? <laughs> dad, why is the version of sin- single digits? Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is version five, dad. You will use version 5. <laughs> Don't make me get 3.5 out. You will have a nosebleed, son. <laughs> you know what a table is, son. <laughs> so we have dinner. Don't make me... No. <laughs> Don't make it's what me you... make you... <laughs> it's what you read instead of having dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me make you read damage charts. <laughs> no. As your punishment, you will revise every spell list in the book. Bard, mage, sorcerer, it matters not. <laughs> It, it's good to know. It's good to know. You never know when you might have a an entire party of mages and sorcerers. <laughs> Learn this shit, son. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great, and metal is gonna be one of those things yeah. that I can't wait to see what happens when we we're kind of there. Yeah. But the generation that doesn't have to listen to uh, the parents saying turn that crap down. Yeah. Like what happens when you have that generation of kids coming through? It's gonna be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I I look forward to the just for my own personal satisfaction of being in a position where I can hand off my musical taste to someone without that without that stigma. Yeah. Back in primary school, metal was not the thing that everyone listened to. I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I was always into, the, everyone was into dance music. I was into metal music. Everyone was playing PlayStation 1. I was still on the, in the Mega Drive. Yeah. Everyone's playing, everyone's reading Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Everyone's getting into Marvel comics. I'm still reading Batman and shit like that. And, the amount of times I would be listening to Linkin Park or Limp Bizkit or Slipknot or Korn or something, and people would just go, oh, you listen to Mosher music? That shit makes me want to kill myself. Yeah, it was always... That was the one I got all the time, and at one point I fucking snapped. In the middle of geography. It was always Mosher music. It was always referred to as Mosher music. Goth music. Immediately. Goth music as well. Yeah, and we're we're metalheads. We don't do the full black. I mean, I I was wearing black for school uniform, but that was it. Um, I just because I don't wear, wear a white shirt, like you're just yeah. For it. I mean, I done that as well. I mean, but folk would always say, "Oh, you know, got any other clothes?" Like, it's school uniform. It's, it's, it's like black trousers, black hoodie, black t-shirt. Yeah. Like that was what we got away with. Yeah, and and there, it was always it makes me want to kill myself. I'm like, you guys aren't listening to this, are you? Like, you're not appreciating. You're not taking it in in any way. Or the one that uh, 
the one that made me fucking genuinely want to punch the person in the face was go and turn that off me it makes me actual ill <laughs> it makes you actual ill get out of my face first of all grammatically <laughs> first of first and foremost you can't speak <laughs> you were first uh, of all you know english good son <laughs> your brain not on work so great but yeah it was, it was one thing that i'm it's one thing i'm looking forward to having that be a memory like because like, there's enough of us, I'm looking forward to the whole like, metal, it's not the stigma, metal can just be a, a form of music that people can enjoy without any backlash or stigma. And I think there's enough of us that went through that shit when we were younger, now it'd be at this point we're going, no, you can just listen to metal. Mm-hmm. Like, and the, we don't have that stigma about us because I don't wear as much black anymore. I wear black t-shirts because I'm, I'm a big guy and anything that's slightly... Yeah. like anything that's slightly lighter coloured will just become a sweat patch. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to happen, but... I still think more people breaking the stigma is a good thing. Yeah. More people more people getting into metal as well because there was a real fear that metal was going to die off or was dying off. I, it seems to have like regenerated itself. Yeah. I, I can't put... Normally you can say, oh, there was this one thing yeah. that really kick-started all this. I just think metal got... It just kind of clumped together. It, yeah. it just kind of formed itself into a new one because Sabaton, I think it was great. I think it was just called Angels or something yeah. like that. Or Angels of this... Angel of the, Angels of the Line. Yeah. It's just a single. It's uh, really good. I'm looking forward to uh, checking out. There's one of my favourite uh, metal artists is a guy called Thomas Sorokin. Um, I've been following him for almost a decade now at this point. And he had his band uh, Before the Dawn, which what got me into the music. Yeah. And then he made their, their record, Death Star Rising, is fucking insane. Oh, it just, it's so goddamn good. You just can't stop listening to it. That's yeah. the problem. Um, so I remember I found them on YouTube but at that time, I think I was pretty short on funds and I seen some cool hoodies and shit. I was like, I want to get that. I need to get that. Never got the fucking chance to. And then the band imploded, basically. Yeah. Uh, the, the statement was basically, my drummer's an arsehole, my guitarist's an alcoholic. <laughs> I just want to go make music anymore. I fucking hate this band. <laughs> <laughs> Before the dawn is no longer a thing. Motherfucker. It's not a thing. We're finishing this Asian, Asian tour and then we're just fucking done. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll be back at some point with new music. Fuck everyone else who isn't me. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing my own shit now. Uh, then he spent the the next couple years making the debut single for Wolfheart, which fucking great band. It's yeah. now expanded into a full like touring band. Mm-hmm. But uh, in between that, he made a band called Dawn of Solace. And I didn't hear the original album. And it's a bit weird because their album is called The Darkness. Before the Dawn had My Darkness <laughs> as an album. It's like, bro, there are more than three themes in music. All right, you can, you can have something other than dawns, darkness, and silence. Okay, yeah, I mean, the power metal has been getting by on three things: <laughs> the eagles, the river, and the power. Like they've been getting, they, I, I, they've been getting getting by on that, or the wind yeah. as well. Four key themes. That's all you need to make power metal. Yeah. Um, but so Donna Solis uh, put out a new album, uh, which is called Waves, hmm. and it's it's pretty good. Um, it it does have one thing that it's just something I need to get used to is it is a non-English speaker singing in English. Mm. There's something about delivery and stuff. It, it It's kind of cool. It's it's Thomas Oaken's, uh style of guitar play and stuff. So if you enjoy Wolfheart stuff, you'll enjoy this. Yeah. Um, but the, the lyrics sound a bit closer to what's a Borknagar. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to those guys. Borknagar, Winter Thrice. God damn, that's an album and a half. It's just this. It, it's not even... It's just kind of this weird ambient 
metal. It's fucking great. I just love the entire album. You just put it on. If it's particularly if it's winter, if it's windy, winter winter music, throw on some big headphones, isolate yourself, yeah, and just soak in. And again, they go for the classic Finnish uh, metal music, or uh, like Finland, Norway, Sweden, Scandinavian country uh, metal music video. Just fly drones places. You have an epic countryside. Just fly a drone through it and just sing about the power of the mountains. And you're like, oh yes, glory to the mountains. It's fucking gorgeous. But yeah, Winter Thrice, definitely worth a check. But yeah, um, I'm getting into Donna. How are you spelling uh, Borknagar? B-O-R-K-N-A-G-N-A-G-A-R? Yeah, Borknagar. Okay, I'll just find them. He's actually checking it right now. This yeah, because I, mean, I, I need new music, man. I need new music. Because the stagnation of my Spotify playlist is getting worse. Yeah. I literally went to go and uh, download new music. I downloaded one new record that was the most <laughs> anti-dom record I could think of because I just thought, I want to listen to something new and I typed, I just looked up new releases and I found a band called Moonhooch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's three guys playing saxophones making dance music. It is the weirdest shit you've ever heard of, but it works. All I can think of now is just the saxophone line from We Are Number One. <laughs> That fucking meme song from Lazy Pretty Time. much, yeah, you're not you're not far <laughs> off. That's kind of what it is. Oh, excellent. But then after I found that record, I went back and I just started listening to uh, In Flames again. Was it? I, th- I think I, every now and again, it's good to come out and just have the palate cleanse yeah. and come back in. And that's why I have random tracks with them. Like, I have random, uh, like, rap tracks, my Ice Cube and Dre yeah. and Eminem and stuff. I even have just some random crap, like, stuff I don't even in- enjoy that much, like, stuff yeah. I find funny. In like really serious playlists, so like I'm getting fucking hyped up, really amped, and really focused, and really, yeah. and all of a sudden there comes in this silly, ridiculous song, and I'm like, okay, I'm back to yeah. normal again, and then I can go back in refreshed and enjoy the rest of the track list, which might not be as heavy. Yeah, so it's, it's just a good to have that little break from time to time. Uh, for me, my uh, palate cleanser, apart from Moonhooch, is uh, if I've been listening to a lot of metal, which has happened quite a lot, uh, just in terms of if I've had work to do, and I'm thinking right. Study music is just chill out, read at your own pace. But like, I have work to do. The metal's going on, yeah. so I can study that. If I ever want to kind of break out of that, the first two pit stops or the two pit stops I make after that is I listen to some Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. and recently I've been listening to a bit of Seth MacFarlane because that dude can sing. Yep, like he Dang is the mo- he looks like the most unclassy motherfucker. Then you hear him singing like, okay, this is all a front. Yeah, he's he's been playing this weird childish uh, dickhead for so long in the public eye. Yeah. Oh wait, the guy can croon. The yeah. guy can really turn it on if he wants it. To the point where I think he's actually sung in operas and stuff like. That. Yeah, I've, I've heard. I've seen. I've, I've heard of people. He performed with the BBC uh, for like uh, the London Operas or something yeah. like that a couple of years ago, and it was like, oh shit, he actually could do this live very easily. Yeah, I mean, he went and bought Sinatra's mic for a reason. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't he taught by someone that taught uh, Frank yeah, Sinatra as well. The vocal coach, he was ripping his voice cord, his vocal cords out, doing uh, American Dad and Family Guy, mm. and then he said, "I need, I, I want to sing, want to make these, uh, these, these albums, and I want to try and do something different with my legacy." And then decided to go get vocal coaching from the same couple that taught Sinatra. Yeah, and if you want to go somewhere for vocal coaching, you yeah. couldn't really do much better. Yeah, well, it might, uh, might be Sinatra Jr., not sure. Probably should have been Sinatra Jr., given the age at the time, but yeah. even then, I, th- I think they were in their, like, 70s or 80s. Yeah. And we're just like, okay, I guess we can do it one more time. I mean, if you want to pay us yeah. the teeth, which he did. Yeah. I can imagine that if you're going to get taught by someone with that amount of legacy, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And we're all glad that he did, because his, his version of a... Uh, is it Fly Me to the Moon? 
I'm pretty sure he would have done that one, yeah. And uh, he did a Christmas song or something like that. Yeah. I was like, holy, okay, this is weird. Like, his big love for McFarlane as a, as a Family Guy fan. Like, the guy has a ridiculous talent and yeah. makes things happen that very few people in Hollywood actually do. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, when he, he turned around and said, I'm going to do a Christmas album, you're like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turns around and makes it, and you're like, oh, shit, he did good. He did yeah. real good. He did pretty fucking well. We missed a Zach Brown Band uh, album, by the way. Really? Yeah, The Owl. The Owl came out, and nobody talked about it. And I'm worried, because that means it was bad. Ah, oh, no. Because I've heard they're on a cycle of country, and then a bit more poppy electric stuff. Yeah. And this is supposed to be one of the poppy electric ones, because... Uh, maybe that's why it's not popped in the Zeitgeist. guess. Yeah, I'm not... I mean, we've got Luke Combs now. We're all good. Yeah, Luke Combs. I actually was listening to When It Rains It Pours on the way home. Yeah. Talk about a song that just makes you fucking feel good. <laughs> like, it was raining and stuff. I was like, yep. I don't care. <laughs> it's eh. a fucking good day. <laughs> you get drenched. Car run. Car runs through a puddle next day. Like, don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, this is the start <laughs> of a uh, an old nineties nineties movie. But I don't give a fuck. This is great. Is that the one that's about uh, the fact that like his girlfriend leaves him and then uh, the, everything turns around? Uh, his girlfriend leaves him. Then he f- then he wins money. Then he gets a fucking uh, holiday paid for. Then he gets fucking uh, golf tickets. Golf and tickets and he gets free petrol beforehand. Like, Dude. <laughs> Everyone, everyone who listens to this is just going to leave their wife. It is a guy who tur- whose life just turns around and he just rolls with it. It's a yeah. great song. And Fantastic I, song. Real feel-good song. And at the end of it, the best part of it is, I don't have to talk to my mother-in-law yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch-level ex-future mother-in-law. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a good thing. of like, man, yeah. everything in my life turned around. And, <laughs> and no nagging mother-in-law. Fuck that girl. She, I don't have to deal with her anymore. Yeah, and her mother-in-law. Get fucked. <laughs> in that comfy space now one thing that i want to talk about and uh, i'm gonna ask you to uh, prepare the here comes new challenger music right now here comes a new challenger so now that you've heard the jingle for here comes new challenger i'm going to jump in and talk about uh, my bailiwick my uh, area of expertise over the past couple of years and that is the new uh, smash bros character as well as uh, some other dlc news because there are some that people are happy about other others that uh, aren't really looking forward to the new dlc all that much people that are worried about the price and there's one pc dlc that i recently purchased that is just it's it's good but at the same time i kind of wanted a bit more especially for the price but uh, we'll talk about a uh, smash uh, super smash brothers ultimate first uh, they released their or they announced who the final character was going to be for fighter pass one and that was a uh, byleth the main character from fire emblem three houses yeah. which it's no shock to anybody. That was a fucking phenomenal game. Really, really high-selling game. People loved the shit out of the characters, the gameplay. Uh, what little innovation they did to update as much as they could a tactical RPG. But what people are annoyed about is the game is now getting oversaturated with Fire Emblem protagonists. My response to that is, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> How many Mario characters are in there? There's about 12. How many Pokemon are in there? And I'm including item-based Pokemon. There's about 40 of the fucking things. Yeah. You cannot say that one certain thing is oversaturated in the game. I think it's just because it's popular. Yeah, I mean, they've got to put in what sells. Because yeah. for every you know, Joker from Persona 5, for every hero from Dragon Quest, Terry Bogard from Final uh, Fatal Fury, there's got to be a safe bet. Because mm-hmm. not many people know who Terry Bogard is. Certainly not many people know who Hero is. And uh, Hero from Dragon Quest is in the UK and the US. You might get the occasional person. Fair enough, quite a lot of people know who uh, Joker from Persona is, but it's still quite a big gamble to put those characters in there. Yeah. 
Banjo-Kazooie was a safe bet, but again, not many people in Japan are going to know who Banjo-Kazooie are. There needs to be a safe bet character, and for me, that was by left. And fair enough, he, there was the worry that he was going to be just another sword user character, you know, typical Fire Emblem moveset, counter, side B, up B, all that shit. But they'd done enough with the character to make it make it different. Each different... Uh, I'll back up a bit. Uh, in the game Fire Emblem Three Houses, there's these things called Hero's Relics, which can only be wielded by people of a certain bloodline. Right. So uh, the main character, Byleth, has, uh, can use a sword called the Sword of the Creator, which has this weird kind of whip sword thing about it, kind of like Ivy from Soul Calibur. Oh, right, kinda, so ex- when you throw the sword yeah, out, it can extend The blade extends. And, yeah. And uh, Byleth can use that for range attacks and use it for up close, but if you use your side B, you've got the spear, which is another one of the hero's relics wielded by one of the other characters in Fire Emblem Three Houses, one of the leaders of the Three Houses. Yeah. Uh, I think Edelgard is her name. She leads the Black Eagle's house. She can use the spear. Then if you go to, I think her, by less neutral B, she uses a bow. Right. Another uh, hero can use that. That's in the Golden Deer house. Then the there's an axe that she, uh, she can use. That's from one of the other heroes. And th- those have been integrated into our moveset, so there's enough there to make it different. But still, the internet is not fucking happy. They never are. There's what a lot of uh, there's a lot of this isn't my uh, Smash Bros anymore. This is just Fire Emblem Brothers Ultimate. There's just too many Fire Emblem characters in there. What is the ballpark total number of not like the uh, not the, the the support characters that you get, mm. but the number of playable characters on the selection? If I if I you open up Smash Bros right now, how many fighters can I choose? There's about seventy four. There's uh, an additional six coming. Additional six coming. Yeah, and you I think it s- might be seventy-five. Seventy-five, six of whom come from the, this Fire Emblem game. Eight of them come from Fire Emblem. Eight come from Fire Emblem. So that's just what, like eleven percent. Yeah, it's not a high percent. There's still plenty of other characters. For you can pick one from. of the most hyped games yeah. of the year, biggest selling fighting game of all uh, of the last decade, I think. And I'm like, just from Fire Emblem. Yeah, like that is one of the most hyped games of the year. Oh yeah, a well-received strategy RPG game that sold well in both the West and in Japan. Yep, you never get shit like that. And people are surprised that it's being used to yeah. prop up what is. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Smash Bros is an advertisement. Yeah, it is a a showcase of all the Nintendo or variety of Nintendo associated brands and products, and people will be affiliated with it. And the idea is. You and I sit down. We both like different things. You yeah. pick a character. I pick a character. Your character kicks my ass. I'm like, who the fuck was that? Yeah. You can then sit there and tell me, oh, it's this guy from this game, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Does the thing. Oh, let me show you the other guy from the game. And then I'm immediately like, that game, those guys kicked my ass. They had cool movesets. I kind of want to know more about them. Yeah, I, I want to see what's in that. And then go into franchise. that world yeah. to figure out what that thing is. And it sells another Nintendo product. Yeah. And I think that is definitely the beauty of Smash Bros. It is because... That's definitely what got me into Fire Emblem. I played a character called Ike in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. And I yeah. thought, Ike's pretty cool. What other games has he been in? Oh, no games that I can easily get. But there's this new one coming out with the 3DS in a couple of years. I'm definitely going to get in on that. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, from Fire Emblem Awakening onwards, I think I've bought damn near every Fire Emblem game that's came out because I've just been that into the series. And that's what Smash Bros. does. Uh, if I didn't, play smash bros i doubt i would be as into the the zelda games as i am yeah because i mean zelda i've always liked zelda the first one i ever played was minish gap in the game boy advance but 
if it wasn't for the fact that I get to see Link taken out of that setting and I can see what he can do in other games. Yeah. And I've seen how he interacts with Ganondorf because I, I didn't know who Ganondorf was until I played Smash Bros. I'd never played a Zelda game with hmm. Ganondorf in it because Ganondorf's not in everyone. They need to mix it up somehow. Yeah. And inevitably you have to have that moment where you say, who's this Ganondorf guy? And somebody goes, you haven't played Legends of Zelda? Incidentally, <laughs> the person who said, you don't know who Ganondorf is, was Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing a Smash Bros. Melee. This is how fucking long ago this was. This back in the GameCube days, motherfucker. Strapping cocksuckers on the entire story. <laughs> so obvious I've been watching Joe Diaz. There's this one broad up on, the, up on 56th Street. <laughs> Oh, well, 180. Tremendous titties. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous with pepper spray. <laughs> but, uh, we're playing uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee. I played as Young Link because I thought uh, Link was too slow. I can get him with Young Link. He's a quicker character. And I had watched other people play Ocarina of Time, but I'd never gotten to the bit with Ganondorf. And then I think my older brother picked Ganondorf. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? Mm. Then it was like, oh, it's, it's Ganondorf. Are you going to tell me who that is? And he went, you, nah, I got that. You've never played Ocarina of Time. I was like, hold the phone. You've never played Ocarina of Time. I was like, go and just fucking tell me what it is before I punch your teeth in. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're having a nice day today. Let's not and ruin don't this. Don't fucking ruin it. And then that led me to play Ocarina of Time for the first time. And unpopular gaming opinion, Ocarina of Time's good, but it's not as fucking gangbusters as people think it is. <laughs> it's like I actually found that uh, thread on Twitter and I kind of wanted to ask you, what is your unpopular gaming opinion before we go on with this? Mine's is, Ocarina of Time is overrated. I don't have that many opinions on games that are so strong that I'm like, no, this is the hell I'm wanting down. I just play some games, I find something fun. I, yeah. I, I don't have that many controversial opinions. Come back to me on that one. Let me, yeah. let me read it. I mean, it's not something I'm willing to say. I'm willing to stand up and die for the fact that I, I think uh, Ocarina of Time is overrated. I mean, it's you're just, gonna get killed for it, but you're yeah, not I'm gonna get stabbed for it. But I'm just gonna go. I see your points are valid. I just. <laughs> don't think it's that good a game i just had a respectful disagreement with your opinion i respect your opinion but fuck you but uh, the fact that people are getting this upset about it uh, by life they're saying this is not my fire emblem character uh, this is not my uh, smash bros game anymore this is just nintendo pandering to what they think people like all i can think of is this is just the star wars argument over again it's like you people don't want a new star wars game they don't want to change the formula or anything like that. you just want the same shit over and over again mm. Well, actually, now that I say that, that's the opposite. <laughs> I'm talking shit the night. Uh, but like, I get that you want new stuff. Uh, this was the argument that I should have made. Uh, I get that people want new things. They want new innovations. But at the same time, occasionally you need to play it safe. Byleth is going to... A lot of people are going to be ha- uh, excited to see Byleth in the game. I'm definitely going to play a few matches as Byleth when uh, she drops in three days. What day went on the 20... Today's Fourth. the 24th, yeah. Uh, so, Byleth drops on the 28th, which is next Tuesday. Next, Maybe. Next Monday, I don't know. Allegedly. Could be. Don't quote me on that. Fake news. Fake <laughs> <laughs> um, So, I'll definitely be playing as the character for a bit, seeing what, see what they're like, seeing if it's trash, seeing if it's not. Because one of my favourite characters from the Fighter Pass 1 was uh, the Dragon Quest Hero. Because there was just so many different parts to their moveset, I could experiment with it. I could... If I couldn't be bored playing the match, I could just scroll through his magic list to find self-destruct and blow myself up. Yeah. And there's nothing more fun than in the middle of a match getting the kamikaze spell and just blowing the shit out of yourself because people go, oh, I want you to play the game. And like, you're not playing the game on my fucking watch. <laughs> I will blow myself up. I will blow myself up. Oh, spite, sir. I will end the fun for everyone. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely pick it up. People just getting butthurt about it is a stupid fucking thing. You knew it was going to happen from the minute the direct started. 
I turned to my brother and said, "It's going to be Byleth. You know, it's going to be a Fire Emblem character." And he went, "No, man, it's going to be da- it's going to be Doom Guy. It's not going to be fucking Doom Guy." But then Doom Guy would be fun. We talked about this Doom Guy would be fucking awesome. Yeah, just because but, he's so ultra violent, and if you've seen the shows, the Doom Eternal that's coming out. Yeah. So oh my good. god. <laughs> Have you seen the Doom Eternal Collector's Edition? No. It's two hundred and thirty bucks, and it comes with uh, Doom Guy's helmet. I'm gonna lose so much money. My brother has bought it. It's bought and paid for. I'm genuinely concerned that he's not going to take it off. <laughs> now, is this a wearable helmet? Because a lot it's of, a wearable helmet, right? Because a lot of people bought Halo Three like collectors editions. Yeah. Like I'm going to get the Master Chief's helmet. I'm going to run around like the Master Chief. And then the helmet was like it was designed to fit over a case that held yeah. the game. And everyone was so fucking butthurt over it because it was a cool stand. It was a great stand, yeah. a great design. But everyone sort of went. I'm going to wear Master Chief's helmet and immediately shat the bed. Yeah, because they couldn't wear it. One kid actually hurt himself, like cut his head open, tried to ram it on his head. I'm, I'm not going to lie, like that kid had it coming and it, no, he, that might have saved him from a Darwin Award. Like the fact that his parents saw him go, like I can fit my head into this thing that's about a third the size of a human head. Yeah. <laughs> and he can be like, I can make it fit. I just need to push hard enough. They immediately just went, he needs more attention. He needs more <laughs> care, a little bit more bubble wrap. And yeah. just a lot more love from his parents. Maybe we keep him inside for a bit longer. He can be a house human. Uh, he can be homeschooled. You you can have outdoor cats. You can have house cats. He is just a house human. He is a house human. <laughs> I, I've got my unpopular Honey, did you bring in the house human again? Oh, shit. He got out. <laughs> <laughs> Who left the door open? <laughs> we told you your little brother gets wonder. <laughs> he has wanderlust. And no sense of common Shit, where's the skills? Halo Collector's Edition? He took the helmet again. <laughs> Fuck. Now he thinks he's invincible. <laughs> Shit, now he thinks he's Master Chief and he's headbutting the cat. <laughs> uh, I got my unpopular gaming opinion. Okay. It's not one... Most people for them, it's like, this game sucks. Uh, for me, I love the game Prototype. It came out in the Xbox 360. Yeah. You were a human called Alex Mercer who was infected with a virus it lets you transform your limbs into different weapons. Yeah. And you can just rampage through the city. Your character's a total piece of shit. The game itself is not... Like, the storyline, I couldn't give a flying fuck. You're basically just sent up against a wave of, like, army guys and then mercenaries that come and kill you. Mm-hmm. But the actual gameplay was so much fun. It was... It felt the closest to, like... Remember Spider-Man 2 and the PlayStation 2? Yeah. Which was the pinnacle of, like, Spider-Man games for a while. This felt like that. Just you didn't have web swing, yeah. So it was. It's obviously a step down from the Spider-Man Two experience, hmm. but the open city you can just run wherever. Yeah, you you're want. just rampant in New York, and you run around throwing tanks at people. I yeah. don't understand what you people didn't enjoy about that game. No, Prototype was One was epic. great. Prototype Two was was not not fantastic. They tried to focus on a story about uh, a guy losing his daughter, and then yeah, Alex, Alex Mercer, Mercer became the, the bad guy from the first one. Kills the daughter. And you're left with a lot of questions as to, wait, what? Um, and then the idea was that you would chase him around as the father, who's also infected with the virus now, yeah. and hunt him down and kill him. And I never played the second one. I started it and it went, eh, the first one was better. Yeah, that was like me in a Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. I was like, eh, the first one was so much better. second one was... You have Patrick Stewart's death. <laughs> yeah, you have Patrick Stewart's death, and you still made the second game boring as hell. Yeah. Uh, Richard Madden from uh, Game of Thrones was Alucard. Right. And you still made this game boring as hell. Was uh, something else, but there's something else in that series. Is that not one of the first places we heard as a Scottish actor? Robert Carlyle? Yeah. Robert he was Carlyle a Gabriel. Was yeah. I, I remember him being there. I mean, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, him from something else. 
It might have been I remember him from 28 Weeks Later. Yeah, he was the main character. No, was he in 28 Weeks Later? He's the intro character. Uh, 28 Days Later was Killian Murphy. 28 Weeks Later was Robert Culler. Yeah, he's... Because uh, uh, that scene at the start of 28 Weeks Later is one of the most intense things. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah, like, dude, you didn't need to fucking sauce that hard. I watched that at one o'clock in the morning once when I was like, oh, oh yeah, I remember the scene. I'll watch it and then I'll go to bed. No, no, no. <laughs> no sleeping will be had. You're just there for like an hour. After I was like, Jesus, he left that woman. <laughs> yeah, like every slight noise. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every, you know, I wish we could have a shotgun. Just, I just need one. I just, just in case. <laughs> Sitting there cradling a nerf gun going, they won't get me. <laughs> I shoot myself first. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the image of me crying up against the door. Just in the, in the event of a zombie outbreak. And then saying, fuck it, I'm going to end it all with a Nerf gun. <laughs> then we just ping it into like probably my eye. <laughs> and I go, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> so I'm going to end it all. Hold it on. Let me call Suicide Hotline. The cow goes, moo. No. He's trying to get suicide wait, help from a speaking spell or something like that. Wait, I was going to say, is your version of like uh, the Suicide Hotline just confusing? Like people are going to kill themselves? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> No, just, like, it just throws them off. <laughs> they were gonna kill them. Just, you're thinking a Nerf gun's going to kill yourself. You have some kind of toy phone next to you. <laughs> All right, so my, my entire barricade is toy based. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get it now. I thought you stick your head in an easy bake oven. Just ow, ow, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, ow. I don't fit in here. It's like the Master Chief helmet all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from uh, Super Smash Brothers uh, Ultimate, the only other news I had to speak about that really was that they announced the Fighter Pass Two, which is going to be six characters. And it'll probably be slightly reduced price. The other one was 20 quid. I think this one will probably be about 15, maybe. I don't know. I'm still going to buy it regardless because I want the whole complete Smash Bros. experience. If it's character, maybe it might be some characters I don't like. Maybe it'll be some characters that I really want. Don't really care. Still willing to support the game. So moving on from that, I kind of want to talk a bit about Kingdom Hearts 3. Right. We've not, I haven't spoke about that since I... I can't really remember what I said, but I'm pretty sure I was disappointed with it when we first spoke about it. I remember you talking about finishing it and saying that it felt like it was short yeah. and that they'd chopped something off for DLC. Yeah, which they definitely had. The entire... The name of the DLC is Remind. Right. I call it Redo because they redo the entire fucking ending. Literally, they just go, no, I didn't really like the way that happened, so let's just... I'm going to redo the ending and we're going to do it right. And it... It solves a lot of issues. It explains why at one point everyone is just dead. Then Sora does some space magic and all of a sudden everyone's back to life. <laughs> explain what he just did. That is way cooler than anything else that we'd just seen. Yeah. Because the one of the 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 next uh, setup for the DLC or future DLCs is that uh, Sora has spent all this time trying to get to Kyrie. He finally meets up with Kyrie. Kyrie gets killed at the end of the game. So he's just like, nope, ain't letting this go. I'm going to fucking piece it back together if I have to. And then literally just burns through his own body. He's like, okay, you're back, but I'm gone. See ya. That's literally how the game ends. And then everyone's like, nope, Sora's gone. We're not happy with that. So let's let's try and find them. And I was like, okay, this game is never going to end. It's going to be Kingdom Hearts 3 forever. Right. But that sounds ridiculous. And I assume you, Kingdom Hearts 3 is nothing but lunacy at this point. The entire franchise. The entire franchise is just on meth. But... It plays really cool. Uh, <laughs> it's a decent game. <laughs> some decent action-based RPG gameplay. but uh, With Disney characters. With so. Disney characters, yeah. That don't really play much of a role in Kingdom Hearts 3 at all. <laughs> you just show up and go, oh, look, I'm in the I'm in San Francisco from Big Hero 6. What's it got to do with the story now? The story now? Oh, right, you're just giving Sora busy work. 
cool. Uh. Right. But yeah, like I said, they redo the whole ending, even to the point where they change a voice actor because in Kingdom Hearts 3, Rutger Hauer was the voice of Master Xehanort. Right. Who unfortunately passed away. They replace him with Doc Brown himself, Christopher Lloyd. And it sounds way fucking better. Right. But I'm now terrified for Christopher Lloyd because the role of Xehanort is fucking cursed. Leonard Nimoy had it. He passed away not too long after that. Then Rutger Hauer got it. He passed away not too long after that. Even in the Japanese side of voicing Master Xehanort, the original voice of Master Xehanort passed away. The subsequent voice passed away, so they're on the third voice as well. Well, you, you need an older actor to carry the gravitas of his Yeah. Role. I th- Christopher Lloyd does that. Yeah. Fucking brilliantly. Even when I first heard it, I, was, I didn't know who it was. And I was like, I recognised that voice. Then he said a line that carried on a little bit. There was a little bit of a drawl. And I was like, that's fucking Doc Brown. <laughs> that's Christopher <laughs> Lee. Hey. And I was like, you know what? It fits. It fucking fits. He kind of even looks a bit like Masters Air not now because he's bald up top and he's just got a little bit of a beard going on. Yeah, you're shaping up to be a villain, dog. <laughs> but they finally added in the Final Fantasy characters that people were asking for. They added in additional Keyblades. But the, the story-based DLC, I finished it in five hours. Right. For a five-hour DLC, you'd be expecting maybe to pay, what, a tenner? My DLC map's all over the place. I pay money for nothing. I, I play Ubisoft games. All right, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just thought, like, here's the money. Will you give me content eventually? <laughs> <laughs> I paid £25 for Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. And it so far feels that like I've got maybe 10 quid, of, 10 quid of content out of it. I feel slightly cheated, but there is other stuff in there that I can do. There is other stuff that is fairly fucking challenging to do because you get this uh, kind of boss run mode where you fight su- amped up versions, like amped up super versions right. of other bosses. And once you do that, you get more story. But like, this is, seems like artificial extending. Like, you think we have a 25 hour DLC? Well, or 17 will. hours of that game is just you going motherfucker, why can't I beat this guy? Rage quit. Or it kind of sounds like somebody made the Dark Souls version of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, pretty much. But then stapled it into something that was supposed to wrap up the storyline. Yeah. But they can, they do wrap up the storyline in the sense of we know what Riku's next job is. Riku's next job is to find Sora because Sora beat Xehanort, found Kyrie again, but it the cost of himself like mm-hmm. he essentially just disappears at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3 when they're doing the we saved everybody prologue when they're all on the beach at Destiny Island literally uh, Donald and Goofy are making fucking sandcastles and shit yeah. uh, a couple of other Keyblade wielders are throwing a frisbee about the place it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's general like, anime beach shit yeah. like we won let's go and fucking celebrate and as Riku's looking off in the distance Sora just goes grabs Kairi's hand and literally disappears into the sunset so Riku's off trying to find Sora because nothing can kill that fucker except himself. Right. The dude's got plot armor to the max and uh, Sora will probably have his own shit to do and I think they are doing more DLCs because they don't want to do Kingdom Hearts 4 just yet. They want to wrap up the Sora story then move on to something new with a less complex storyline. Because <laughs> even Tetsuya Nomura said I let I this can... one get away from me guys, I'm very sorry. Pretty much, yeah. He said <laughs> it took him too long to do it. He did all the stuff that he wanted to do, but he just kept doing more and more and more. He wants to do another Kingdom Hearts game in the same series, but new protagonists, same-ish type of story, but just with right. much more contained. He's not going to let this one get away from him. Just kind of keep it tight. Uh, it's kind of weird though, because that Kingdom Hearts story, from what I can tell, has touched into, uh, unless there's a lot more lore going on, which I'm guessing there is somewhere. Oh, there's ridiculous amounts of lore. But, like, it seems like they went all the way back to the apocalyptic battle that starts the new world, yeah. all the way through present, 
like through big master villains to end of the current era. Yeah. And probably the end of the Sora story will be the end of that era. Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping it is because Sora at this point is so one-dimensional a character. He's always just, I'm a good guy. Let's fight the good fight. It's weird that he's never really been liked. He's never really... He's Goku. He's, he's quite <laughs> literally just Goku. He's even I, got the same spiky fucking hair. I never I never hear anybody say, you know who my favourite video game character is of all time? Sora. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there's so many more interesting characters about the surrounding him, but he's the... I think he's intentionally... Blind, bland to be so author that, insert yeah to be the player insert, player character. insert character yeah and i i can't just want i want to see more of this story definitely because i want to see more of this type of gameplay as well because it is really cool gameplay how they combine the magic and the the combat and stuff is really fucking cool but i just want to see it in a storyline that i don't need a fucking phd to figure out <laughs> because like you said they start with the initiating event with master xehanort finding the the three prequel Keyblade wielders, yeah. finding his new host, thinking, right, this body's old and frail, I need a new host. Ah, there's this guy, he's got a bit of darkness about him, I'm going to ramp up the darkness so it's a suitable coffin for me to hide in. Mm-hmm. But these other two, ah, fuck it, I'll get rid of them, I'll deal with the board, I'll wipe the board of them, then I'll enact my evil plan. Yeah. Then you go from that to the next game after that, and then it just keeps snow and snowballing on ahead, and next thing you know, they're fucking 12 games deep. Yeah. And the lore has become basically this massive fucking ball of knitting uh, wool that is just unentanglable. And when I say, like, the, the story, fra- the franchise story seems to have gone from, like, the apocalyptic battle that started the New Age all the way up to the New Age, it didn't do it in order. No. It started, like, half halfway towards the end, and then just said, oh, wait, we need to double back to explain all the stuff that came before. Yeah. And then from there... Then we're going to jump forward a bit, and then we need to go back again. It just... Doctor Who couldn't figure this shit out. So yeah, I don't the know doc, David Tennant would just look at this and go, fuck it, yeah. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah, he might he, be in the next one, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, nothing's out of the realm of the possibility there. I mean, no, nothing at all. With the mouse buying up so much crap, I mean, yeah. who knows what's going to pop up. Give it time. BBC's going to go the way of... Oh, good. I, let's not get into that one. Yeah, that's, 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 that's terrifying. But yeah, yeah. It, it did leave me a bit disappointed, but like I said, there is still more shit to do within the game if I you know, get good. Yeah. <laughs> I just and, need to get good at the game. And if, uh, like, talk about the lore of certain places, I uh, I, I downloaded Halo's Master Chief Collection because it's on uh, Game Pass. Yeah. So I will play Reach again. I'll give it another go. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of it. I don't like most of the characters in the Halo franchise. So uh, like, the Halo Reach characters are fairly boring, but the game itself makes up for that. Halo Reach is a fucking phenomenal game. Yeah. The only good character in there is George. With he's a the, J. The yeah, heavy he, weapons yeah, guy. Yeah, he's the heavy weapons guy. Yeah. Uh, the fucking brick shit house. <laughs> yeah. Ape, Spartans are supposed to be like seven foot tall. He's like eight foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one half. carrying a literal tank gun. <laughs> like, just, no one else can carry this, but this is just my primary weapon. Yeah, just just sling this thing around. No big deal. Um, I I went back into that and I was like, wait a minute. I think I recognise that character. It, what it was is I couldn't remember the name of the heavy weapons character George. I'm like, he's my favorite guy in the in the team. Why well, can't I remember his name? I tried to look into like the the team in Reach. Oh my god, the fucking Wikipedia page. Jesus, it yeah. never ends. Because the team that you play as isn't the original the original team or something like that. Yeah, Noble Team was almost wiped out down to the last two members and then all the guys that you know through the, the game hmm. are basically add-ins for... Uh, they're taken from different teams to make a new uh, Noble Strike team that yeah. goes to the end of Reach. Uh, or to go to fight towards the end of Reach to, to uh, secure strategic uh, assets. Yeah. 
because they know the world's lost. So they just like say, fuck it. Let's just collect the good shit and get the fuck out of here. They're going to glass the planet anyway. Let's just try and get the good shit. But the, the war on the Halo universe, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's when you start looking at the backstories of, like, I'll take Gundam, for example, because I'm still making my way through Iron Blooded Orphans on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, obviously the show is quite slow. It's not just battle after battle after battle yeah. because they want to build shit up. If half, go, half the joy of that show is the politics. I'm watching everything just kind of grind into place so that yeah. when everything blows up and things have to be reset again, it's interesting. Yeah. But if you go into the Gundam wiki and just read the lore behind it, like what, because uh, there's a time skip where the, uh, Mikazuki is the main character. Yes. Yeah. There's a time skip where he like, he goes from being part of Tekadin, then he goes with the Ambassador Lassie. Mm. They have a kid and stuff. The 10 year gap or whatever's in that. They get so much shit done. It's unfucking believable. There's a there's a lot of actually one thing I want to ask you about. There's there's actually a Gundam masterwork like manga that's mm. come out and it looks ridiculous. It's one of the original guys who's been working on Gundam for fifty years, and he is just drawing everything. Like there's some of the stuff I've I've seen from it. Uh, it's from uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf's like best of twenty nineteen video. Mm. And just some of the stuff that comes up, like the panels and stuff, you're like, yeah. this is art. This yeah. is beyond the doubt. This is I mean, art. Yeah, you you know I fucking love me a Gundam model kit. Yeah. I've got a few of them. They've released a... I mean, look, you don't like Gundam Wing. It's a fucking known, but the mobile suit designs look cool. You yeah. remember uh, Endless Waltz with yes. the uh, Wing Zero with the blue armor and the wings? Yes. They've released a new version of that. Uh, I think it was... It's called something like Snow White. Right. Because uh, I think in one of the newest mangas that they've written... Hero Yui from the Gundam Wing show just gets frozen because he's like, this guy's a good fighter. Let's just keep him going. <laughs> Let's keep him going, so, just in case. <laughs> yeah, and so his nickname is Sleeping Beauty. So they give him the new mobile suit, Snow White. Right. And it's just basically, it's a thing with eight different fucking wings on the back and two of the giant uh, quad buster rifles. <laughs> so they just make them overpowered, but the model kit looks fucking stunning. Yeah. Like some of the new model kits that they're bringing out. It's the Gundam kit ridiculous. You, you would make if you were a five-year-old. And you were you just watched you all just these had parts. and you were just told, What do you want to make? Eight wings and two guns. <laughs> <laughs> Eight wings, two guns, fifteen beam sabers and a dick. <laughs> Why is he a dick? Fuck you <laughs> for fucking everything. <laughs> it's uh I just the Gundam franchise is one of those ones where like they made the mistake of splitting into multiple timelines. Yeah. I think there's six point, different timelines. At that point I'm just, I put my hands up, I'm yep. walking the hell away, I'm done with your shit. Yeah, it gets weird. But some of the ship, some of the custom uh, Gundam model kits that people are doing are ridiculous. Yeah. They could easily lose about five, six hundred pounds on one kit, but you'd have this cool model kit. Are any I've never done that at all. I'm just saying that I will never do that because I can't justify. Not if, yet. Not yet. If I had the disposable income, I'd buy at least one. <laughs> Here we but go, I kids. don't have the disposable income, so it's not going to fucking happen. Just mark the time and date you hear this. Yeah, mark the time. Like I said, I'd probably get one, but if I had the disposable income, I'm just going to get the one. I just, I just want a hard cut. I want a hard cut right now to me standing in a room with you and being like, Dom, why did you buy all of this? Like, shut up, I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem if it's only one wall of Gundam, <laughs> it's only one room. <laughs> so, what if I had to buy a new house? <laughs> This is the Gundam room. That's why I have the house, okay? <laughs> That's why I kick my wife and children out. They live in the shed. <laughs> Where they belong, because they are not Gundams. This is the Gundam house. <laughs> this is the Gundam house. Just walking about like seeing Zeke Zeon or something like that. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. One thing I wanted to... You, I think, yeah, we're done with the video game news, unless you want to hear me rant and rave about the fact that the Resident Evil 3 collector's edition is too fucking expensive 
And if you're watching the Jibber Fish podcast, if you're listening to the Jibber Fish podcast, you're say, you know I'm a fucking Resident Evil fan. I wanted this fucking special edition. Yeah. Because it comes with a Jill Valentine statue. Like it's her a new design, Jill Valentine, holding the pistol. Like, Jill Valentine has been one of the most iconic video game characters of all fucking time. One of the strongest female characters probably fucking ever, despite yeah. the fact that in Resident Evil 1 she might be a bit mentally unstable. She's not all there. Like she has a gun in her hand and she goes, Barry, help me. I'm like, shoot the zombie. <laughs> that's not mentally unstable, that's just being normal. <laughs> it's not normal to shoot people, Dom. We forget this. If there's a zombie bearing down my face, boom, bang. Uh, kill yeah, her. I know. <laughs> no, she's, she might be a bit touching the head in the first couple of games or whatever. Uh, genuine icon of gaming. So to get a statue like that of the, of the quality that they've, they've shown, I really wanted that. And I think as a Resident Evil fan, I, I needed to get it since I couldn't get the Resident Evil 2 collector's edition because I don't have faster than light reflexes. It was slipping it all over again. <laughs> it was announced at just say 10 o'clock in the morning. By 10.02, you couldn't fucking get it. Which annoyed the shit out of me because it was only 180 quid. And I thought, I could swing that. I can budget. But with with the Resident Evil 2 collector's edition, there was way more in it. You got the soundtrack. You got a shit ton of DLC. You got a replicas of the keys that you used to unlock the doors in the, in the police station. Yeah. Nice little collector's piece. You got a statue of Leon Kennedy in the full uh, RPD uniform with the armor and shit. You got a poster and you got uh, a couple of other badges and stickers and stuff. It was a jam-packed collector's edition. Yeah. It was your money's worth. It's what you want. It, it was, was absolutely your fucking money's worth. But for £30, £35 more, 215 quid for those who can't do maths like I can't, uh, the only reason I know it's because I have it written down. Uh, <laughs> He scribbled it out and wrote it again, but he's right. <laughs> it took me three times, but I got it. Uh, but for £215, you get a statue of Jill Valentine, a soundtrack, a poster, and costume DLC for £215. That is fucking not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, if we say six, And of course you get the game, game as well. Yeah, you get 60 quid for the game. Yeah. And then, I mean, depending on the quality of the statue, it could be about 100 quid. Yeah. Even then, like everything else that comes out of that, I mean, unless that's a damn good poster. Yeah, it's not even a poster of the characters. It is a poster of the map of Raccoon City. It's not even a poster then. It's just a map. Yeah. Like with uh, drawings and stuff on it. A map that will be folded over and probably damaged by the time you get it. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll have crease lines in it. So it just, I've bought uh, another version through game. It's got a steelbook case. It comes with a, a replica of the Stars police badge. Yeah. It comes with a couple of the key rings and stickers. and For, like, for £70, I feel like I've got more of my money's worth with yeah. that, with the steel book and shit. Yeah. But for 250 pounds, I genuinely would feel cheated. Like, okay, I've got this cool Joe Valentine statue, but that's pretty much fucking it. Yeah, I don't see the value in that one. I, no. It's not pretty bad. It's not as average as I've, I've seen. I've seen worse. Yeah. Uh, mostly from Bethesda, but... <laughs> yeah. Here's this nylon bag. Oh, we, we meant a uh, rubbish bag. bag. We meant nylon. Oh, wait, we meant nylon bag, and we're not going to change that. Go fuck yourself. So, no, it's uh, it's an interesting one, but yeah, I don't see the value in that. And to screw over the hardcore fans that want to buy the collector's edition of your, your franchise game when you've done so much to, like, really nail it in that second one. Yeah, the just, Resident Evil 2 one was fucking outstanding, man. But Resident Evil 3, they just I fucked like up. I they tried to spike the football and they smashed themselves in the nuts with it. Yeah. <laughs> or they went for the they went for the reach back to go and spike the football and just hit themselves in the back of the head. It's yeah. just not good. But uh, yeah, if I that's not to say that I wouldn't buy it if somehow the price comes down. Like if it comes down to about an even handle, I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? But it's never gonna happen. Yeah. Never gonna happen because it's already verging on sold being sold out. Yeah, I 
this problem is that the nerd communities are so rabid it doesn't yeah. matter it's someone you may not be you might say wait i'm not paying that much but then there is always someone willing to pay that price. Yeah, there's always someone that's thinking, I've been waiting for this game since Resident Evil 2 got announced. I have the money set aside. Yeah. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And fair play to them. I fucking love Resident Evil. But I'm not willing to pay that much money when I don't have... A, I mean, I do have a steady stream of money coming in, but that that stops when summer rolls around because yeah. I'm student. unfortunately student loan funded. Uh, and of, of, uh, of course, I can't really justify spending £215 on video game when i need to spend probably that amount on books fairly soon yeah because you know homeboy got to study yeah it's a hard uh it's hard sell to fans that i can't i just can't imagine that after putting so much work into the franchise that they just say i would just drop this one we'll drop the ball yeah yeah i quite like that you said that because i'm going to use that to segue into sports corner sports corner here get your sports corner we haven't done sports corner in a while though. Yeah, we haven't done sports corner, but this time, this time we got shit to talk about. I got all this shit as well, but yeah, you've got the weirder story. I got, yeah, I definitely have the weirder yeah. story. It was actually you that mentioned it to me because I didn't. I'd only heard about it in passing, but you were the one that mess. You were the one that uh, messaged me saying, "Dude, have you heard about this?" Yeah, and I saw this on. Uh, I was on lunch break, and uh, the Scotland. He's, he's fly half, right? Uh, he's uh, ten. A fly uh, fly half. If you know the game, number ten. If you don't. Uh, yeah, he is basically, he's been kicked out of the Scotland squad ahead yeah. of a big game against Ireland after yeah. a pretty damn good game against England. Yeah, he, uh, the story goes that uh, against Twicken, uh, against England down at Twickenham, and Twickenham is the home pitch of England, uh, England's national side mm-hmm. at rugby, he basically, he was told one thing by Gregor Townsend that you need to do it this way and he went, nah dog that's not gonna fucking work these guys are on us we need to be fast we need to be clinical and uh, he basically tore the rule book out and did whatever the fuck he want much to the annoyance of Gregor Townsend but mm. he still got to retain the Calcutta Cup a lot of people were thinking that maybe that's why there's been this animosity maybe that's why there's been this uh, beef sort of beef between them between Gregor Townsend and uh, Finn Russell but then the more people are looking into it and one thing I fucking love about the rugby community is like having a having a a fucking spy network. Within minutes, <laughs> I knew the full fucking story. Yeah. Literally, two people in my rugby club are friends with people that play in Edinburgh rugby. And literally, one guy sent me a message saying, do you know what's happening with Finn Russell? And he went, uh, give me a minute, man. Sent three, <laughs> sent a few texts back and he went, right, cool. Uh, apparently, uh, this, there's fucking loads of different stories taken about. One that was... All of this is very much allegedly. Uh, all of this is very much allegedly. None of this is true. This is all rumours. Uh, as I say to people when they ask me for legal advice, this is all unqualified legal advice. You Do not rely from upon a this in court. Stranger in a bar. Yeah, at two in you the overheard this by two pissed people in the chip shop. Uh, the first story was that he was a notorious drunk. That he wouldn't. There was a lot of drink-based issues, and Gregor Townsend arranged an appointment with a psychiatrist for him to saying you have an issue, deal with this, and you're more than welcome to come back to the Scotland squad. Finn Russell spat the dummy and said. Nah, fuck this. How you're do you tre- think I got in the Scotland national squad, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you're treating me like a child, that kind of thing. Another one was that, again, drink-based, uh, Finn Russell was wanting to go and see his... He was uh, having some drinks or something one night, and uh, he was he went to see his family. He was told to be at training the following day. Apparently, he showed up steaming drunk, and he got sent home for that. And if it was that, I can completely understand. Yeah. But what I think is the more likely option is that uh, Finn had maybe Finn had maybe you know stayed out in a late night or something, showed up to training and he 
was disciplined for being maybe his conduct or something in the in the uh, training ground. Maybe he was hung over a bit. Maybe still a bit under the influence of drinking. Gregor Townsend said, "Right, need to do something. I can't play in the squad. You've you fucked that one up." And he just went, "Okay, I'm going back to France then. I'm going back to play for my my own team." Because the official, there's so many different fucking stories going about. Because all the official line that came out was he's been sent home from the island, the camp in Ireland. Uh, due to breach of protocol. Yeah, breach of training protocols. So but that could be one of a thousand things. I mean, the idea that there's some drink involved doesn't really surprise anyone. If you listen to the podcast enough or if you've just been around rugby long enough, you know that there is a drinking culture in rugby. Yeah. Uh, we would obviously hope that when it comes to a professional level, like the top national level of the sport, yeah. it wouldn't be such an issue. It's not really like a lad's hanging about at the weekend nah. type thing. It's more of a you're playing for the national jersey yeah. that's that's kind of my stance on the one hand i understand that you can't really own a person 24 hours a day or uh, 24 hours a day seven days a week but there are some free will there you should allow your players to do whatever they want but at the same time if they're putting out a performance for the national side playing against a team like ireland who are fucking one of the best in the world yeah. you need to be on your game you need to realize maybe drinking is not the fucking best idea a bit of common sense should be utilized and it's, uh, as much as we say, you know, you, it should be allowed a bit of free time. And yeah, you should be allowed free time. Remember that if you are, I have a very strict kind of mental line where I say, if you take the paycheck, you do the job. Yeah. And I guarantee you, a Scotland national player knows what he signed up for when he yeah. signs to play for the national team. If it means long weekend, if you go back to your family, that is, that is absolutely acceptable. Yeah. If he just pops over to, from the camp to go see his family and as long as that's been agreed that that's okay yeah. with the, the training staff and the, the coach and stuff that's totally fine yeah. when you have if that was a breach of protocol I'd be disappointed by the protocol that sounds like shit labor. yeah that seems that seems a bit too strict that seems like how you lose a national tournament uh, yeah. but I think when you if you were to have someone show up completely pissed drunk to a training session and you need to train them for a Basically, a combat sport, <laughs> yeah. a team combat sport, basically, uh, against a one of the best teams in the world. You really like if you show up pissed drunk, you are not only putting yourself at risk, but you're putting your colleagues at risk as well. Yeah, and that is at this point, that's where when it comes around to saying um, there is a a breach protocol and it will result in this as a consequence. I don't have much. If this is if what we're hearing is true, I have no issues with the decision to say. Go home. <laughs> yeah. But it's one thing I'd like to know for certain before I cast any kind of definitive decision would be did he leave the training camp of his own volition? Because I've heard that he just said, Well, if you're not playing me because of, you know, my breach of protocol, I'm just going back to I'm just going back to France to get a start for Racing United Two. Well the official line was sent home. Yeah. or from what I heard from like the BBC and all that, mm. I saw sent home, which means someone's yeah. home. Yeah. Get a kit and go. Fuck off. But that's the thing, it's, it does to me kind of smack of Scottish Rugby Union shooting themselves in the foot because Gregor, uh, Gregor Townsend is always about playing this fast, direct, uh, wild style of rugby and Finn Russell kind of personifies that. He's just, he's very unpredictable. No one can, no one can really anticipate him. And to say, all right, you're one of the fucking trailblazers of this game, but we're not, we're not dealing with you. You get the fuck out of here, you're fucking done. It seems, it doesn't seem like the best plan for a Six Nations tournament because if it is Finn Russell 
being a fucking being a drunk and he's been sent home, that's fine. That's how you deal with something like that. But if it's Gregor Townsend essentially flexing, yeah, saying you think you've got your fucking run in this team. Remember no, the don't. ranks here, kid. You know? Yeah, that's well, a very very bad thing for yeah. the Scottish team because Gregor Townsend's job is on the line at the best of times. He mm-hmm. well underperformed at the Scottish at the uh, World uh, Rugby World Cup. He didn't really do too well at the Six Nations last year. And British sports, by the way, that doesn't fly. The The rate that we are firing managers of any sport team yeah. is absurd. I mean, if you look at the English Premier League right now, it is just a carousel of just people shifting yeah, between people just jobs. leaving big, uh, big football jobs, big football manager jobs. Yeah. Uh, and we love firing managers as well up in Scotland. Yeah. And <laughs> if you've failed twice in international tournaments, I'm yeah. just begging for it at this point. I think if Scotland don't do well this year, at the Six Nations tournament, which starts in a week. Okay. So uh, they've called in ringers, but they've also had uh, one of their... Or they've called in a replacement 10 from uh, Worcester Warriors, former 10 for Glasgow Warriors, guy named Duncan Weir. He's been called up, and he's a fucking dynamite 10. Yeah. Plays it, he plays it quite safe, but he, when he attacks the... When he exploits a gap, he fucking exploits it. Yeah. Like, he just... He get he's got this really good knack of getting all the other players like, caught up to speed. It's like, dude, this is what we're going to do. Gets really good at uh, making people read off the same page, uh, and and kind of opposition to that, you've got the good news of Duncan Weir showing up. Then you've got the bad news of star winger uh, Darcy Graham from Edinburgh, who is fucking lightning in a bottle. Yeah, the guy is ridiculously quick. Uh, he was injured and is set to miss at least the opener. Right. So there's kind of this. There's already this. Almost Unease about the results. We know yeah, this is gonna hurt. Yeah, I mean, Scottish being a Scottish rugby fan, it's fucking Painful stressful enough as, it enough as it is. But when you've got Finn Russell being sent home and you've got wingers being injured and saying that they're out for the openers and Finn Russell might not even fucking want to come back and play the rest of the tournament, it's going to take some begging from. I doubt Gregor Townsend and the staff. It's going to take his teammates going, dude, we fucking need you back. You're part of this team. What have you? So to have that doubt in the minds of a fan we get tenuous about the shit all the time it's like dude uh, we're just are we better looking forward to 2021 or are we just better writing off 2020 like the Lions tour are we going to get no fucking Scottish representation in the Lions tour this year what the fuck's going to happen yeah. there's too much it's going to lead to a lot of doubt and it's going to lead to a lot of having to win the fans back I think because Gregor Townsend his job's on the line I think for this action if if it if it comes to light... If it pays off, he, he keeps his job definitely. Yeah, if it pays off, he keeps his job definitely. But if the SRU find out that he sent Finn Russell home because of, you know, he was talking back to him or there's some kind of other action in there, I think that's Gregor Townsend out the door before the Six Nations even starts. Like, fuck it, we will find someone to take mm-hmm. your job. Get the fuck out. You're yeah. clearly drunk on power. Yeah. So, uh, my sports corner thing. Um, actually, I wanted to ask you real quick. How do you feel about the, uh, the ruling on the Saracens? getting booted down they were uh, I think they won the, the championship league or yeah championship they, level they won the rugby. European championship and then we're told uh, you exceeded the player cap yeah the player wage cap yeah. yeah I think it's fair if you've got I think it's really fair because Saracens have always been a team that pride themselves on having England international players in there I get that Glasgow and Edinburgh have almost the entirety of the Scottish national Scottish national team in there mm-hmm but they pay them at a decent price. It's because you've got players like uh, Owen Farrell who could pretty much walk into any club that he wanted and get 10. Yeah, He's a dick. He's a fucking <laughs> cunt. But at the same time, 
his kick is fucking laser accurate. Yeah. It is ridiculous. And it's a cannon to boot. Like, he can stand midfield and he's banging them in all the time. And oh. you've got uh, another player, uh, Maro Itoji. Again, arsehole. But <laughs> fantastic player. And a really, really good ambassador for the sport because uh, he's a coloured guy, uh, born and raised in a, a low-income area in England. And he's another one of those people that no one told me when I was younger that looking the way I did, I could play rugby. Yeah, but I'm out here saying like, if you've got the passion for it, you've got the talent. Fucking do it. No one's going to stop you. Really good ambassador for the sport. Again, he could walk in any club he wanted and say, "I kind of want the six jersey." I'm like, "Ah, cool. That's him. Got the six jersey. He's starting yeah. forward." And he's got. They've got other uh, English uh, nationals. I think they've got a couple of other. They've got a Scottish national. I think Sean Maitland plays for Saracens. He's the winger. He's another winger for Scotland. Yeah. Uh, so they've got these big name players. So Saracens pride themselves on getting these big named players in. To not kind of curb that by saying, right, we can't really afford to do this and we're going to pay these guys the money that they want. Because I imagine Owen Farrell was getting a pretty decent wage off it. Same with Maro Itoji and I think they've got another guy, something Davies. Or maybe it's either something Davies or something George plays for England. Hmm. Again, phenomenal players. I think they're England or something third or fourth ranked in the world. They're yeah. pretty high up there. These players are going to get a huge wage. To not try and combat this early, saying, guys, we are going to get and serious shit if we don't do something about this wage thing now to let it get to the point where they're two million in debt because they've had to balance the budget mm. to give people uh, wages it's it's their own fucking fault and mm. and the fact that uh, Glasgow Warriors my the team that I support are now suffering because of uh, Saracens they got relegated too late so I think they're out of the domestic competition they're still allowed to compete in the Champions Cup because they've advanced to the stage through the stages or something. Yeah. yeah. I, so much of that is just fucking shady. I, I think they've made their bed. They need to just fucking lie in it. If that means they get relegated or they get moved uh, championship, because I've heard that they are in the top four, no, top 14th France. They're in whatever league they are in England. I've heard that their scapegoat might be to leave and join the Pro 14, which is where the Scottish teams play. Right. A couple of the Irish teams, which I think... It could work, but at the same time, it's a bit cheeky. It's a bit cheeky. You need to sort your like I don't sort think your they house will out because their 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 initial statement was just an apology to the fans. They look, we we hurt yeah. you. We hurt you by doing this, and we made a mistake. Yeah, definitely. And I think they're going to lose a lot of players because, uh, like the likes of Faro, uh, Itoji, and a couple of the other English nationals that play for them, they're already set to move. And if you're not playing top level football or top level rugby, a lot of players tend to move. Like Rangers got battered down yeah for the not quite the similar thing but the uh the fell bankruptcy which in the uh scottish premier league results in you going down several leagues at the same time and all their stars left yeah and they had to build a squad from scratch that could rise back up to the top and then start playing uh the top level football against celtic who just remained dominant for uh, half a decade it's ridiculous but i think with players with the big name players i think that kind of mars them a little bit because they think, they think, oh, you won't get paid the wage that you want from Saracens. Mm. Well, we've seen what happened there. We're a smaller club. We can't afford to pay you. That might be a might be a factor in them getting a new position at a new club. Unless it's a club that is hungry for that type of player to yeah. come to the club. And they're willing to throw the, the De Niro at it yeah. to get them to come. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Saracens made their bed. They can fucking lay in it. Well, uh, my sports corner thing was that the Carolina Panthers were now into the off season. We're build up Super Bowl which next week, as I said. We have um, the news that the the chief coach is gone. Mm-hmm. 
could take another job elsewhere. Are you a, you're a Panthers fan? Yep. Okay. Uh, just because got the Carolina connection with a few friends out there. When we started watching the NFL, I was looking for a team. I thought, ah, Carolina Panthers, might as well. Um, and the uh, the news is that our, uh, our chief defensive captain, uh, Luke Cookley, has gone. He is retiring at the age of 30. And you're like, ho. Oh. I mean, initially, like, as a bow to the Panthers team, as a bow that's massive, it's up there with losing our coach. He's mm. just a, he's a solid, uh, dependable guy. Mm. The Super Bowl run that we had a couple of years ago was on his back. <laughs> you know, we were depending on him to uh, stop plays and you know make big catches that we really couldn't trust anyone else. And he was so influential at that team. Like he played for a few seasons. He is a Panthers legend already. It's yeah. a young franchise, so it's not a surprise. But um, I do think it's um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year because Cam Newton's still out and injured, so his quarterback's down. We have a backup quarterback who is shaky as all hell. Uh, we are now missing a defensive captain and mm. we now no longer have a head coach. And there yeah. is no indication of who is going to be following up in that role. So, yeah, I, I'm looking for... I'm interested to see what happens next season. Not expecting great things. I just you know, can hope we survive, really. Because yeah. um, this season was rough. <laughs> Holy crap. And you just, every time you turn it on, you're like, why are they bullying us? Like, they're not playing us anymore. They're just bullying us. It, yeah. it, it points you like, it was nice to let us try. Thanks for letting <laughs> us on the pitch, boys. We appreciate it. Um, yeah. there's always that there's always that period in any sports fan's life when the season ends and the transfer window opens mm-hmm. and as a Warriors fan I got hit with that very fucking hard this year because in quite quick succession we lost uh, a guy named Jamie Batty who was a prop for uh, Glasgow Warriors uh-huh. he went to Edinburgh he's doing fucking well at Edinburgh but obviously <laughs> you go should have been doing well at Glasgow <laughs> he should have been doing well at Glasgow but it's the fact that Glasgow were used to a certain way of playing that he wasn't quite getting there. Yeah. So they just went, right, we want to keep you in Scotland, so we're going to chuck you along the M8, you're going to play at Edinburgh. Then we lost uh, Stuart Hogg, a current Scotland captain, yeah. which, why the fuck would you give the captaincy a back? Captaincy, the, captain arms, the captain's armband belongs on a fucking forward. Just makes sense. How can you captain for the back of the pitch and you'd be leading for the front? It's <laughs> the way of things. That's just my personal hang-up. I don't think I... No offence to you, uh, pro cream wearing backs out there, but <laughs> I, the captain's armband always belongs to a forward. It just, it, it's the way of things. You don't go against the natural order. Uh, so I had Stuart Hogg, he left to go to Exeter Chiefs, and by all accounts, he's fucking doing really well down there. He's getting the chance to play the really, really quick, fast game that he's always wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you had, uh, fuck, who else did we have leaving? We had uh, the fucking archangel of tackling himself. Johnny Gray, who made 143 tackles in one game. Shit. He broke a Guinness World Record and a Rugby World Record. How did he not break a collarbone? He broke something, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't on him. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, apparently, at the end of it, he said he got interviewed and he said, I didn't even feel any pain. I was just adrenaline. Because at one point, he made eight tackles in a row. And he just bounced back up. It's like, dude, that is fucking inhuman. Ridiculous. Vicious. Love it. But yeah, uh, he's moving down to Exeter Chiefs to join uh, Stuart Hogg. And... It leaves us with, it, it leaves me with a bit of anxiety because I'm thinking we've lost a few good players. More are set to go out because uh, Tommy Seymour, who's a winger for Glasgow Warriors, he retired from international duties, which is not usually the death knell for a uh, club level rugby. But you've only got a few but you've more got a couple seasons, years. Yeah. So and, and Tommy Seymour is fucking lightning in a bottle as well. He's he's a he's a self made Scotsman. He's lived in uh, Scotland for 
like 15, 16 years right. from Tennessee originally. Right. But uh, he's another one of those people that applied for, that uh, gained uh, his shirt, his uh, Scotland jersey through residency. And I think he was another one of those players that had a Scottish granny several generations back. Ah, right. Yeah, the old, my great-grandmother came yeah. across on the Mayflower from Scotland. And, and like, then everyone's yeah. like, okay, that can't. <laughs> yeah. I was totally lying. We don't care. <laughs> we, don't care. Just, we, just, we need it. We, can you move fast? That'd be great. <laughs> can you run quickly? Good. There you go. Yeah. It's the same in the current Scotland training squad. There's a guy who plays wing for Glasgow Warriors, a guy called Ratu Tagive, who came over to, I don't know what nationality is. I think he might be Australian. I don't know. I'm not even going to fucking conjecture on what nationality is, but he has a... He, he's a Scotsman, you fuck. He's a Scotsman. <laughs> Ratu Tagive. Everyone kins of Tagives. Fuck's sake. <laughs> live, in, live up in Glasgow. Fuck's sake. Racist pricks. Tagives from the scheme, yeah? Tagives from the scheme. Everybody kins them. But he, uh, he originally played club-level rugby, but quickly rose to the ranks and got himself a development contract yeah. with, uh, I think it was Glasgow Hot... No, Air Rugby. And they just went, okay, you could do quite well. Then Glasgow Warriors went, you're rapid as shit. We're putting you in here. <laughs> and because he'd been in Glasgow, he'd been in Scotland for, I think it was ten, eight years at the time. They just went, yeah, sure, you, you can get a Scotland call up. So, I mean, dreams can come true. <laughs> if your dream is to play for Scotland. <laughs> yeah. In which case, yeah. maybe dream about her. Yeah, maybe dream about her, yeah. yeah. As a Scot- I mean, there's nothing stressful at all about being a Scottish rugby fan. I say as a, I have no black hair left in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the transfer windows always scared the shit out of me because I'm always like, okay, Scotland, yeah, Scottish we're rugby lose this year. Uh, Scottish rugby has a real tough time in uh, retaining, retaining players because we don't have much to offer them in terms of wages. But here's the thing: when you look at Scottish football as opposed to Scottish rugby, how many Scottish players in football are playing down in England, France, Spain? These three great footballing nations that produce consistent champions of World Cups, of European Cups. There are certain places that play better football at the local level. Yeah. It leads to a better national team that becomes unbeatable in tournaments. Yeah. Is it not better for those guys to go out and play consistently against better rugby teams? Because yeah. there aren't that many in Scotland. There's only yeah, no, two. I wholeheartedly agree that if you want to grow your craft, yeah. Scotland, England... Scotland, uh, Scotland is definitely not really the place to grow your rugby craft. Yeah. If you want a be the better rugby player you kind of need to go say Ireland England Wales you kind of need to go to any of the other three home nations if you want to stay in the UK but really genuinely the best place to play rugby right now is France because they're willing to throw whatever money they can at you and they're going to make you a fucking fantastic player it's just going to it's the best place to grow that rugby craft if you want to go further than that Japan's rugby scene right now is insane people getting paid the equivalent of Nine hundred thousand pounds just to play one season of rugby over there, Shit. because the Japanese have just got the bug for it. Hmm. After the Rugby World Cup, they're like, "Dude, people fucking love rugby. We're going to just throw all our money at it." And they want to develop a better national team, yeah. And so they'll bring they'll bring in every talent piece yeah. they can get, so that their guys are playing against yeah. it. But so Scotland that, uh, can't do that. that. Yeah. yeah, Scotland can't do that. Even with the they recently, I say recently, I think maybe about six months ago, they started this thing called the Super Six, mm-hmm. which is six high level teams. In Scotland, were then made semi-professional. Uh, I think there was three teams in Edinburgh, a team in uh, Ayr, one team in Glasgow, and another team in Stirling. Right, all got promoted to this semi-professional side, and they play each other in this kind of this kind of tournament. And the whole point of it is to, is to try and make more professional sides in Scotland. Mm. So it's more along the lines of England, where there's I think there's something like twenty to twenty-five professional sides. Yeah, that all get, pardon me, they all get. Uh, eligible to be picked for uh, England 
Mm-hmm. So they're all of that professional standard. If they've played there for, I think it's five years in that country, that makes them eligible to be selected for the national side. You need to broaden the talent pool. Yeah, and, and have need to guys widen playing up. with more funds at a higher level. Yeah, more consistency. Well, because you see what happens in uh, New Zealand, obviously New Z- uh, rugby is the national sport in New Zealand, but in Australia, rugby is dead almost. Right. If you want to go and make your money in Australia, you're fucking doing it wrong. The national sport in Australia is was rugby but now the wallabies are struggling to get a, a consistent team out right i mean they're still getting to the point where they can compete and they can compete well but the national side is the only surviving part of the game the club side is dwindling to the point where selection process is pretty much just the same people year after year because there's not much new talent rising up there's not much of an emphasis on new talent rising up yeah I mean, it all might have changed because this is all based on my looking into it a couple of years back, but I've not heard anything saying Eng- uh, Australian rugby is experiencing a boon because so many players that played in Australia are now going to play in New Zealand. They're going to play in Japan. They're going to play some of them in uh, England and Wales and even in Scotland mm. because it's a dying sport over there, which is a shame because Australia, I think most of those kind of Pacific Islands, that seemed to be where rugby started, even though it's a Scottish Scottish made sport, mm. like Web, like the Web Ellis Cup and all that shit. They, that kind of kicked off the whole rugby boom. But it might have been made in the UK, but it was kind of honed, and this whole new style of playing rugby was made and like made by the you know Pacific Islanders who were fucking born and bred to play rugby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've seen fucking Jonah Lumu. Yeah. That guy was just built for one thing to play rugby. It's like Mike Tyson. You see him, and you see how he even he moves. Like yeah. that dude was made for one thing. Yeah. Uh, it does. It did change the game, and I think it's made it a lot better. It's a shame to see it disappear from Australia. Yeah, it happens, man. That's not. It's not the only thing. It's a shame to see it disappearing from Australia. It's just that's the one that matters to us the most right now. Yeah. Um. Right. I think ready for the showstopper. Yeah, we are. Obviously, last thing about Australia, donate what you can. <laughs> it's a fucking horrendous situation. While we're there. taking cheap shots, you know. Yeah, while we're taking cheap shots, it's a fucking horrendous situation happening over there. Even if you can just donate your time, like if you're in Australia and. If you're listening to this, first and foremost, thank you. <laughs> like we, we experience little spikes in downloads. If yeah. Some of them are in Australia, very much thank you. But if you're in Australia, if you can't donate money and you have like anything, if you want to home some koalas, you fucking home those koalas. Yeah, I, I've had I have a friend who's back over there and we hadn't heard from her in a while. And it, I, I noticed it around Christmas because these things have been going on for like four months at this point. And uh, I, I noticed it at Christmas. I was like, Hey, uh, how you doing? Just heard about some fires in Australia recently, and it's probably nowhere near where you are, but, you know, it's just a check-in. I hadn't heard from her until... I only saw that she was online uh, using a, a, a WhatsApp mm. through, like, yesterday. Yeah. I hadn't seen her for, like, months. I was, I was starting to get really nervous. And I was reaching yeah. out to, like, friends of friends to be like, has anyone heard from her? Yeah. Because it's starting to get really fucking dicey out there. I mean, they've had a bit of luck recently with... Uh, uh, rainfall and some uh, better weather mm-hmm. but there's still a reconstruction effort yeah and there are still wildlife to be repopulated so those red cross donations those uh, animal welfare foundations and people giving to i know the the urban's obviously very heavily involved Australia's first family basically yeah pretty much um because they don't like the prime minister anymore yeah <laughs> you can take a fucking hike um yeah, you can go and do one yeah and that's from all the people in australia uh he you know there's there's a lot going on over there and you know the reconstruction effort will need to start quickly yeah um 
and yeah, the the whole politics side of things can be dealt with by the politicians, but I think people can really come together and do a lot of good because we're all seeing a lot of stuff being done. Yeah, a lot of funds being raised. Um, a lot of people sending money their way. A lot of people just doing something as simple as making sure other people whose uh, homes are maybe being affected by it, giving them accommodation, giving them food and water and clothing, that kind of thing. And I've seen teams of American firefighters fly out. Yeah. To go. Yeah, I've seen that. That video was like that video genuinely made me feel that humanity is in a good place. Boys, well done. The fact that they get applauded as they're going into the airport, I was like, fucking well done. Yeah. Um, so the showstopper. <laughs> so the showstopper was. So the, I just feel that I couldn't get I couldn't get away with talking about Australia without getting that piece in. So, uh, so the showstopper is actually I wouldn't say it's the opposite of humanity coming together. It's about humans living in isolation. So this is uh, a little bit of information. It's, it's a story that's come up in scientific areas and just kind of medical research about the group of people known as uh, hikikomori, which is Japanese. Uh, for a group of people that are isolated out of society, they have chosen mm. or they or somehow find themselves living disconnected from society. Mm. Now, this originally, most people tend to think of this as being people in their like early to late or mid to late teens in their twenties who shut themselves off and play video games. But this is not people. It's being discussed because when you think about current society and just the way western civilizations are developing right now they're actually on a bit of a down uh downward slope and that people are far more isolated and that the textbook definition of a hikikomori should be um broadly much more broadly expanded and the estimate is roughly originally the, the, the theory is like there's what like a few thousand people who just totally shut themselves mm-hmm. off you know, only order meal services earn money online don't really talk to anyone just stay inside their homes, um, and the original thought was it's just a few thousand. Mm. If you apply the same kind of, like, there's four basic tenets about uh, basically people are confined to home, uh, avoid people who avoid other people, uh, the better def- definitions of the distress that they suffer and uh, other, like, concurrent medical disorders, mm. when you take those like, expanded parameters, in a population of 126 million people, there could be a million people classes hikikomori just under one percent of your entire population Jeez. would be classed as basically having a mental disorder uh, like the same mental disorder which is a bit strange so say it's typically associated with uh what's called a neat which is someone who's not in education employment or training uh and it is again typically seen as a young people's issue but this started to get discussed by academics who said well what is a neat someone who's just detached and away from society why is that only for a teenager? Why is that not considered when you take into account elderly relatives? People mm. who, um, I think the example given was because this is a kind of collaboration between uh, Washington State's um, like Department of Health, I guess it is, that they have out there. But it's part of like Washington State University out in Seattle. Mm. They started collaborating with the Japanese uh, government on this one and they started looking at the data and saying, is the issue, is the definition of a condition so much different for like an 80 year old uh widow who lives alone and gets like a meals on wheels delivered every day is she that different in theory to someone in japan that would be de- declared a hikikomori I keep mispronouncing that name mm. it's just weird but they have they're, they're starting to discuss this because when you take those broad parameters of someone who just lives alone isolated they just maybe they go out just make a bit of money come back in just they shut themselves off 
how many people do you know like that? There's tons. There's hundreds of people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a it's a symptom of loneliness in current society. And I find it very yeah. strange, you know? Yeah. So it was something I found weird that uh, I'm going to directly fucking blame on uh, social media. That the more we get methods of very, uh, various methods of being able to contact people, yeah. the more we kind of close off. Yeah, because the more the more I've seen people say, oh, "I'm on Facebook every day," I'm like, okay, but how many times do you actually talk to someone on Facebook? Yeah. Like you say, you've got a thousand thousand odd fifty friends. How many of those thousand do you actually talk to? Not many. I bet you just scroll and see what they're doing. You who's, who's coming like. out for beers on Friday? Thousand yeah. five hundred. Yeah, you maybe you block if you get one, and Twitter don't don't fucking get me started on Twitter. Twitter is the place where there's so much chatter but zero communication. Yeah, I mean I could be wrong. There might be some little a uh, golden spots of Twitter, which is mm. these are the bastions of humanity, and this is where we gather and share ideas and fruits. Yeah, but I have my doubts, you know. I, and I had a weird brush with it today. Um, I I just was out. I was out to the shops today. I went, oh, run along the road, grab some through the local Tesco's, I'll go for a walk as well, just stretch the legs. Mm. Um, and out of nowhere, I'm sitting there on like a bench, looking at my phone, playing a bit of Pokemon Go, getting them Pokemons. Yep. Uh, and out of nowhere, a woman comes up to me and just, there's there was a an ambulance went by. Mm-hmm. And she says, I hate that noise. I, I've got headphones in. She just comes up and says, I hate that noise. It distresses me. I'm like, Oh, sure, she's talking to me. Oh, she okay, yeah. right. So, pop the headphones out, and uh, she. Oh, I said, oh, "You all right?" And she says, "She said, I just there was something. There was a siren there." And I said, "She was so many police to that ambulance." And I said, "I was an ambulance went away along that way." She goes, "I really distressed me, and I, uh, I hate it because there was a my, my granddaughter. She had a an accident, and we found out she's got seizures. We don't know what's causing it. She just has seizures randomly." Mm-hmm. I said, "All right." She had something recent. She said, "I." She had son a week ago, and uh, she fell. She had a bad fall, and she's in the hospital. And I'm, like, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, well, first of all, I, I didn't, I, I had no idea this was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I wanted my, I wanted to go out and get my noodles, come back and make okay. a stir fry. That's all I wanted to do today. And all of a sudden, I'm getting engaged with another person. Yeah, and this totally threw me through a loop. And I, I talked to him for a little bit, and just kind of said, I'm sure she's in medical care. She'll be fine. They can find treatments. They can work on medication and she had a wee rant about like how her daughter doesn't prepare the house correctly to deal with somebody who's having yeah. a seizure and i'm like there's no way to deal with that yeah <laughs> first and foremost you just kind of hold on unless you literally pad all the walls and all the floors yeah bubble wrap on everything yeah but just bubble wrap the child it's easier yeah um there's no way to properly big prepare house. <laughs> just giant sumo suits yeah um but there's no way to accommodate it is a unique condition it does need more study. it's to do with the brain who the yeah. fuck knows what's going on there and just, I, w- I was totally freaked out by this entire conversation. I kind of like tried to play it off and push it to the side yeah. and just get out of there. And I realized I was wrong. I felt really bad about it because I tried to end the conversation as soon as I possibly could. Yeah. I wanted out of it. And I was sitting there. I told someone else. I told a friend about it. I said, you know what's really strange is I freaked out about that conversation because I didn't expect it. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be in there. Yeah. It was a woman I didn't know, by the way. It's yeah. just some random person who came up to me. And I realized... In our grandparents' generation, that would be called being part of a community. Yeah, being there for that other person. And I just, I, I felt like shit. And I yeah. really, when I, I think of these, you know, the hikikomori, the, the isolation, like, or, or continuing isolation through uh, a perceived connection through social media, yeah. it really starts to fuck with your head. Yeah. See, I like that when you get people talking to you 
in the street, you get a nice person who genuinely has fairly positive things to say. Maybe she had that one little rant about how she's not prepared for it. Oh no, this I, I took out all her swearing. <laughs> yeah, I mean she yeah, was really people, fucking losing it. People, I mean people swear that's fine, mm. but it just reminded me of the time where I was in Glasgow uh, with my folks over Christmas, and uh, obviously everyone disappears for the first couple of hours we reconvene we have lunch and we disappear again to get the final bits of the christmas shopping mm-hmm. but uh, me and my two older brothers and my niece uh, we stopped to get a drink out of a starbucks because my brother was genuinely like eyes shutting was like i need some coffee i need something to perk me up mm-hmm. and they uh, were sitting chatting away and there was this uh there was this a uh, couple sitting there with the baby and the baby was crying uh, people around her are genuinely trying to help like say oh like what's, like, what's wrong is that is, is something too loud there's staff members coming over and just going is, is music too loud we can turn the music down if it's upsetting the baby and they're like no she's just fussy that's fine eventually the baby quietens down and there's a girl behind me who bursts into tears right and she turns to me and says is there any napkins left in your table and i go yeah sure but hand uh, the napkins and i turn to her and i say that's a hell of a state you've got yourself in what like trying to make light of it so she calm down and said well, can i ask what's wrong and she said why do people just let their children cry? I mean, I'm just sitting here trying to enjoy a coffee and there's that little brat fucking bawling its head off and making me feel like shit. And I went, first and foremost, the baby's six months old. <laughs> that baby has no control over that baby does not. That baby is not behoof to your impulses. It has every right to you know scream and bawl and cry. I know, but does it have to do it when I'm enjoying my orange hot chocolate? In my head, I went, first and foremost, orange hot chocolate, you're a sociopath. <laughs> but... Like she just had this whole like when I come out, everyone needs to kind of bend to my will type thing. If there's a child screaming and bawling at me, if there's a child screaming and bawling near me, I'm going to, you know, react to it. It's like so, your reaction to a child screaming and bawling was to then scream and bawl. Like, <laughs> congratulations, you're in the level of a six month old. Uh, congratulations, you're you look like you're thirty, but now I'm pretty sure you're six months old mentally. Yeah, I just think maybe she. <laughs> at that point, I wish I was one of those hikikomoris that just isolate themselves because. Yeah. This is the current level of humanity that we're now at. This one girl, she was so annoyed at the fact that children exist. It's incredibly self. Maybe there's something going on. She has a certain past with children, and I've I've friends like that, and I don't want to cast too many aspersions. But by the sounds of things, she is incredibly self-absorbed, and yeah. you say she would like reality to bend itself to accommodate her, regardless yeah. of the. I mean, that's that's why that's the view I took from it. But the conversation ended, and I didn't end the conversation in the politest of manners. <laughs> She said, well, I mean, because I, I sat with her and like, she dried her and she went, thank you for coming. She said, I'm fine now. I'm just going to finish my drink and head off. And I said, right, well, just maybe take a minute next time. Calm yourself down. She went, okay, thank you. I said, well, she said, I swear to God, I'm, I'm never going to have kids. And at that point, I just kind of went, for fuck's sake, you'll probably be pregnant next week. <laughs> <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we end the show. We've been the Depression Podcast. He's Dom Anderson. I've been Colin Graham. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs>